Ladies and gentlemen, we can confirm reports and speculation running wild out there that the boys are back in town. Um, I think we took a slightly longer than usual Christmas break, but here we are, surprising you once again in your podcast feed. It's the boys. It's CSP. It's Chairshot Podcast 2023. They said we wouldn't last six months. That was a very fair assessment based on the audio quality of those first couple of episodes. But here we are in the new year. Uh, it is myself, Barry. Joined, as always, by my ever-dependable co-host. First of all, Paul Griffin. Brap, brap. He's brap, brap, and also brap, brap. And with us here is Joe Towner. Happy New Year, buddy. Yeah, Happy New Year, I guess. Because we, so what, we, we stopped like the week before Christmas this year, didn't we? And then we... And we're now coming. Well, this is the, it's the eighth of January. I feel like this is the latest we've ever come. No, back. we we stopped two weeks before Christmas. Damn, I, I did one on my own mm. the week before Christmas, talking about the World Cup final, and there was a lot, a lot of shit happened that week that I thought, well, we might as well cover it. And that was the week before Christmas. Didn't do anything on Christmas. Didn't do anything on New Year. So it was, yeah, this is four weeks since we last spoke. It's been yeah, it's been a while. So so those of you who've like cleared out your podcast app, you're all caught up over the holidays, and you've listened to all every other podcast talk about Christmas. Well, now now we're late, so we have to talk about Christmas now. Uh, so enjoy that, enjoy that. I actually just before we got done, we got started here, uh, we did take down all our shite just today. Um, pretty late, I uh, you know I I like to I like to even though I I like. I love Christmas, but yeah. my kind of thing is I would love to take it down on the 26th because to me, when it's done, what? it's done. Yeah, no, when it's done, it's done. I, it, it's got like everyone knows about that perpetual Sunday feeling you get between Christmas and like the second week of January. <laughs> to me, that's made worse by the Christmas decorations because looking at the decorations post Christmas gives you that never ending Sunday feeling, I feel like. Um, but I am a traditionalist. I don't believe in taking them down before Little Christmas. So they, that's why they're, they're, they only went, came down today. Um, I, I yes. feel like that after New Year. Because once yeah. you get to like the 3rd of January, it's like, oh, fucking hell. TV's gone back to normal. Yeah. You know, BBC One's not showing kids' films. They're showing Flog It and uh, Homes Under the Hammer. And you go, yeah. oh, fucking hell. The A shows are back, you Christmas know. Is over. Yeah. Uh, the, the, no, no longer is the TV schedule overrun with celebrity versions of game shows. Um, with very questionable celebrity uh, uh, inclusions. I, I did watch, I mean, whenever I go to my mom's house, that is the basically the only time, and it's basically just Christmas these days. It's the one time a year I watch, like, live television and terrestrial, do you know what I mean? We we had a predominantly Channel 4 uh, Christmas Eve this year, which was not bad. I think they had a good offering, uh, despite the fact that I had watched them both sort of on demand with, with Bronin the weeks running up. I did rewatch Home Alone and Jingle All the Way at my mam's house, like a couple of days after I had watched them both on Disney. So that was good. Uh, I watched my very first episode of The Great British Bake Off um, mm. because it was just on. It's all right. I I, 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 I I won't be running to the all four and binging the entire seven million seasons previous, but it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Um, uh, you know, uh, watch. They had some like some Lego thing, some Lego competitive game show thing. Um, it was extremely kind of. I, I liked the idea, but it seems like it's produced in conjunction with Lego, so it's insanely family friendly and not funny at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, which was bad. Sophie Ellis Bexter was on it though, um, who I haven't seen or heard of in about twenty years. Uh, but she did well. Yeah, so you know, 
Christmas telly, you know, people complain about it. I think Christmas telly is all right. I like just, you know, flicking around and just The Incredibles 2 is just on. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's right. something to be said for that. Uh, what about you boys? Any Christmas telly? Or I guess miscellaneous Christmas chat. I I had the same Christmas I had every every year, which is went home, had dinner, fell asleep by 6 o'clock. Uh, quality Street, uh, 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 crackers, paper hats, you know. You know yourselves. Yeah, any any unusual Christmas uh, occurrences for yourselves? I mean, this was my first Christmas on my own in inverted mm. commas since 2013. Jesus. Um, so I've kind of forgotten how to celebrate Christmas a little bit. And actually, this isn't a, a woe is me fucking uh, pity party. But this was like maybe the most in my entire lifetime that Christmas Day just felt like a normal day. Yeah. Um, which is a little bit depressing, but it's all good. We move, we move, as football teams like to say, after a a, a maddening one nil defeat, a battering. <laughs> we move. Um, I, I think that's also just an unfortunate thing of just us being adults. Do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah, you know. but even until recently, the magic was still there. This year, it was had a little magic sucked out of it through a little pipe down the bottom. Um, <laughs> That's all right. Um, Sounds you know, great, actually. Uh, you know, yeah. sel- <laughs> selfishly, a um, lot, lot fewer gifts this year, um, which is a bit of a, a bit of a bummer. But uh, yeah, the food food was good. Food is always of an A standard. Um, God, God of War, Ragnarok, which I'll be talking about later on. Oh, me too. Um, well, I didn't get it, but we'll be talking about it together. Got some Lego. Got a lovely Lego Optimus Ooh. Prime. Ooh! Yeah, does it transform, or is it just you build it in one? It does transform. It transforms, yes. Ooh. So you can have them in man form, and then you just got the little Lego Technic swivelly bits and clicky bits, and beautiful. He's a truck now, and actually, I keep him as a truck. I think you can kind of. Oh, that's him! Oh, wow! Over there. Um. So that's that was that was lovely. Yeah, and we 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 played. Uh, some poker till the wee hours. We had uh, my friend Sean came over. We had a big Lego session, and yeah, I mean, it was fine. It was fine. Um, I didn't watch any any Christmas TV or Christmas movies or do any of that really. What 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 really was taking up the most of the time was the the long awaited return of the sport of kings. Uh, that's right. It's the darts. Um, oh yeah, with with the the you know most well honed athletes on the planet. Um, bingo winging their way to uh, to victory, <laughs> uh, which was very very exciting, especially the final. Um, for those in the know, the, they'd been through the whole championship tournament without a single nine darter finish, uh, and then in the final, both of them in the same leg were on for nine darters. The first guy missed it, and the second guy got it, and there were there were cheers in the house and whoops, and it was very exciting. Um. And obviously the World Cup is over now, the darts is over now, so now, finally, I feel like I have time to play video games again, or Yay. watch movies again, because it felt like, since the middle of November, when the World Cup began, there was always stuff on that I that I would watch, that, that would kind of eat up a lot of my um, free time. And also, at the moment, on, on the old uh, Discord of uh, Pilkopedia... Uh, renowned. Uh, there's also a, a rewind of all those episodes, so I'm also listening to those. That's an hour every evening that oh. I spend listening to that. So, trying my best to um, do things that I enjoy. 
<laughs> yes, I, I, I also, but it's funny though. It, it is easy to just not do things you enjoy. It is yeah. easy. I actually, coincidentally enough, I, I saw there was a rewind going on. I, I didn't quite have it in me. I didn't want to join in and then lo- yeah. fall off. I was like, I know I, I, I won't say it, but I kind of, I, I kind of used that. It prompted me to kind of do my own little, um, yeah. especially over Christmas where I was kind of. Brona was away. Like she, she went away for longer. I go home for Christmas. I go home Christmas Eve. I spend Christmas Day with my mom. It's just even say I come home, and that's yeah. the way we both like it, <laughs> you know. Uh, but Brona, Brona lives further away, so she spends a bit more time with her family. So I was yes. pottering around the house on my own quite a bit. So I, 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 I got, I did a little, a little mini, mini rewind of my own. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is just modern reality seeping into my re-listening, but man. Ricky Gervais is completely intolerable in on on a lot of these shows. Listening back with modern ears, everything from the everything from the 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 noises to the giving out about other people's things that he does to uh general like like snobbiness what like uh, snobbiness about 90 percent of things humans do while then also talking about watching what sounds like some of the worst television you've ever seen every of the era reality show they mention that you yeah. that you and i might vaguely recall he has watched it and has an opinion on it i'm like oh man you are the most annoying human i think ever to sit down in front of a microphone including the three of us <laughs> yeah the thing that i find surprising about it and obviously i haven't i've maybe gone through them once in the last decade so it's, right. it's still relatively fresh to me is um obviously this time i'm scoring every every episode Ooh. so i, I want to have some kind of idea of where, where are the high points so if, if i want to do a, a, another rewind in future let's say i can i can look at my own list and say oh this one i only gave two stars i'm, <laughs> I'm just gonna fucking skip that episode go to go straight to the next what? one what heresy heresy <laughs> it is what it is but what i find is i was expecting because you know we're, we're kind of talking uh inside baseball here but like season two is renowned as being the 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 best of the the excellent yeah. shows Whereas I'm scoring, I'm like the end of season one gets very, very good, and season yeah. two, we're I think we're on episode twenty-seven ish now, which is about halfway through, and they're all like sevens, maybe yeah. high sevens, low eights. Like it hasn't quite got yet. And okay, Monkey News has only uh, just begun, but it hasn't quite got to hit the heights that I kind of remembered hitting. Which whatever. Um. But yes, like I was saying, I, I I haven't watched much Christmas telly. Christmas kind of fleetingly came and went. Um, New Year's the same, although I, I probably said before I ha- hate New Year's. New Year's just the worst day of the yeah, year. New Year sucks. Uh, just stay up a little bit later than normal uh, and and play cards maybe. Which is watch uh, Sam Ryder. Yeah, there you go. Very good. Still, it, s- still singing that one Eurovision song. I'm in like, like people whinge about Christmas telly, and like I said, I was going to bat for it. New Year's telly is the worst fucking year. I mean, RTE is always offering up the worst fucking shite. It is like a, some live concert with the biggest jabronis you've ever seen in your fucking life ringing in the new year. Oh my god, it's dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Yeah, I hate New Year's. I hate New Year's. Yeah. What about yourself, Joe? How you feeling? Feeling, feeling all right. Um, back. Unfortunately, Christmas was uh, ruined by getting COVID on oh, the twenty second of December. Mm. Needed that like a fucking hole in the hood. Um, <laughs> so basically, it was, didn't do anything over Christmas. I was also obviously re- recuperating after surgery. So yeah. it was a very, very quiet Christmas. Uh, quieter than both the COVID Christmases, I would say. 
Um, which was have you have you got a cool crusty the the, the clown scar now though? <laughs> um, yes, and an extra nipple. <laughs> it was a one one fewer nipple. I can't remember. No, superfluous third nipple. Superfluous, oh, the superfluous yeah. third nipple. Yeah, yeah. Um, so fe- feeling all right. It was yeah. It was it was an all right Christmas, but I I spent so many weeks just kind of sitting in watching TV, not really going out or doing much. That after after four weeks, even I get bored of just not doing anything, watching right. films. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's it was Christmas. It's a very strange one with with that with Christmas with the World Cup. The last couple of months have been a very very odd period. So uh, mo- moving forward into January and looking looking forward to a little restart, a little reboot in the new year. We're going to yeah. reboot this whole series. Uh, get, get the cast regulars changed around, new storylines. It's all, all, all flowing up in the air. But um, yeah, I also just ate a lot as well because couldn't go out. I just ate a lot mm. of chocolate. So I'm nice and fat now. So <laughs> look forward to losing some of that. In the Ooh, welcome to the club. Just, in fact, this evening we just had a uh, Popeye's chicken. Uh, oh, delivered, baby! Delivered uh, to the house. We got their bur- They do the, the chicken fillet burger, yeah. and it is huge. It is like a massive fillet of chicken. Yeah. Uh, so we were struggling to finish those as well as uh, wings. Yeah, well, I have to say, the chips they did not travel well. They were, mm. they, uh, most French fries do not travel well on, no. you know, delivery and everything. But these, it had congealed into a one big chip. By the time it <laughs> yeah. Got there. Like that was, oh. it's the worst I've seen it happen. But, um, so that was slightly disappointing. But. I have, I have a chip shop conundrum here that maybe I want to throw mm. out to get some takes on. Go on. The listeners can weigh in. Where I live, we have two main chip shop competitors, right? Okay. We have a a Sam's takeaway on one hand, and we have Macari 101 on the other hand. Okay? Okay. Now, Macari 101, you go there, and, and they are a little bit more generous with the with the servings mm-hmm. for your for your book, you know. Okay. You want you want one bag of chips? You get you get I don't know, a kilo. It's like a bag of sugar, it feels like, right? <laughs> the other one you get much fewer chips. However, to Joe's point, what he just said, Macari's lately, it feels like the chips that they give you just, you know when you have like a ball of plasticine with all the different colors, it's like just a a, a snowball of chips. Like, is this specifically in. when being delivered? Is that is that what? No, we're no, 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 no. Even even when you collect oh, it yourself. Oh, interesting. Whereas the other chips are much nicer, a little mm. bit crispier, a little bit more separate. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, it's it's truly the quality versus quantity conundrum. So I guess it's kind of like, what mood are you in? But typically, I would go for the nicer chips, even though you get yes. less of them. I mean, the question is, are you still hungry after that portion? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is me we're talking about. Well, I, I used to get two portions down there. I, I don't. I haven't done that in probably a decade. Not, not, not in this cost of living crisis. You can't be doing that. I used to be saying two large ships, please, uh, and, and as many burgers as, as you can fit in the bag. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've experienced also the old, um, the old chip con- congealed um, mm. situation, which is not nice. It is aggravated by delivery because it's all being stuffed into one of those sweaty, you know, silver uh, takeaway uh, <laughs> delivery bags. Yeah, the freezer bag. Anyway. Yeah. 
So uh, that was uh, Christmas uh, here on the old uh, pod. Now I'm not a I'm not a big believer, um, generally speaking, of of New Year's resolutions. Mm. Um, I think it's just I think it's just like uh, one one more day where we all need to be extra critical of ourselves in in a world where all you can do is be critical of yourself. You're constantly you know marketed you know lose weight exercise more do this do that improve this improve that i don't i and i don't believe in, in encouraging that but i did i did i don't believe in being better at i don't believe in improving stage. myself no never <laughs> i i i i'm i am what i am but i have decided to to take one upon myself um just for the month of january it's more of a, it's kind of a a, a duffless and or lisa trying to give up the cory hotline uh mm proved to myself that I can do it. So for the month of January I have given up the old the old tinnies of monster. Um because it was becoming quite habitual uh in the sense that I had to have it one every single day. Um uh, prior to covid hitting uh Brona was on to me to stop because I had gotten up to two a day. And on and when I was getting really stressed at work I was having three a day. Oh. And I was going to uh drink myself to an early grave. Like like an extremely lame George Best killing myself with monster. Um <laughs> and so it it had gotten back up to one a day and then the occasional two a day on a stressful day. So I was like, all right, I'm not gonna give these up forever. I'm not gonna give them up for the year either. But I'm like, let's just see if I can go the month of January without one. I'm not even cutting. Not even cutting all the fizzies out of my diet. This is not a kind of fucking detox water purify yourself. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that shit. Like <laughs> I said, I do believe masochist, in. Uh... Yeah, I don't believe in fucking bettering myself. Life is hard enough. I'm allowed to have an old coke, but uh, yeah, we're we're eight days in and I have not had a monster. And I think I'm kind of I think I'm kind of over the hump of it now because last week, the first week back to work was fucking miserable. It was January. It was grey. Mm. A lot of it is work motivated. You know, you're stressed. I'm working from home. So it's easy to just pop down the shop when when mm. when this day and get it. But so far, so good. Um, I'm, uh, I'm glad and... to hear it because I I had never had a monster. But a few a few months ago, I, I was getting a meal deal. And I was kind of curious. I wonder what it tastes like. Is it like Red Bull? So I got one. Yeah. It's part of the meal deal. Thinking if I didn't want it, I could yeah, throw it away anyway. I had about three sips of it. And I, th- I thought I was going to have a heart attack. It was, <laughs> my heart was, I was doing like 140 beats per minute standing oh, still. Dear. It was right. ridiculous. I was like, how does Barry drink a whole one of these every day? This is yeah. toxic stuff. So. And, the, and the funny thing is, I like like a lot of people, like, you know, coffee people, who are mm. like, oh my God, I have to have it. I like I would be kidding myself if I was like, oh well, it's to give me a jolt in the morning. It's like I don't even get. It's not even a. It's not even an energy boost, which is kind of the scary thing. Which is like I'm not even getting a noticeable mm-hmm. difference out of it. So yeah. So I, I I will be happy if I can make it to February and then I can have one and enjoy it and then go back and then maybe not have another one for a week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you make you make a good point, Barry. Though because I've experienced myself, I've done a month with like not eating anything bad for you at all. Yeah within reason now come on now let's be honest with ourselves well yeah you know t- things that you would typically class as sweets or drinks like ice cream popcorn anything that would fall outside the remit of this is an actual food that people would eat and i remember during that month remarking once you get over the hump it's, this, this is going to sound like quitting, quitting smoking or heroin to people but i remember thinking maybe a week and a half in how easy it was yeah, and I'm like, is it, I don't even feel the need, the craving for a Malteser or whatever. And then once you get over that month and you ease yourself back in, and now 
again, you're like, oh, I'm kind of, you get the itch. Oh, I'm in the mood for whatever, the, the bag of popcorn, whatever. And it seems weird again to me now. Oh, I remember, I remember thinking how easy it was. Yeah. And now I'm back to, how, how can I go without eating a bag of popcorn? And like you say, it's literally just habit. Um, and so, yeah, my resolution, go on, what, what a segue that was, um, is not related to any of that. It ex- indirectly is, is something that I, I started myself on the path towards last year. But then I had my lip surgery and that took me out of action for a little while. And then it was the Christmas and the World Cup and all that. But uh, I got some gift vouchers for Christmas. I went to Liffey Valley Shopping Center, our local mall. And I spent my vouchers not on Blu-rays, mm. not on Lego, but on some new gym gear, baby. Oh. And my New Year's resolution is this year, I'm going to run a sub 25 minute 5K. Wow, okay. No messing around. Did you get rollerblades as well? <laughs> <laughs> Just a sled and, and dogs to drag me. Um, like be- before Christmas, I-, I was running 5K. I was doing even more, 6K, 7K some days. Uh, and my 5K time, the best I got to was about 32 and a half minutes. So there's a lot of improvement still to do before you plateau off and really have to work to improve. But I'm going to do it this year. Mark my words. Under 25 minutes, 5K run. It'll happen. I believe in you. I yeah. believe in you. Because I stopped weight training and I started doing just loads of cardio. So I would go to the gym and run the treadmill for, let's say, 50 minutes. And I would hit like seven and a half kilometers. Hmm. Um, but what I'm going to do this year now is I'm going to do 45 minutes, let's say, of cardio. And then 45 minutes of weight training as well. So I'm going to try and balance out a bit more. Um, and try and, like I say, work my way down to uh, doing the same plan as doing for the treadmill, which was I would, every time I would go, I would run slightly faster. So I would turn the speed up from, like, let's say nine kilometers on a Tuesday. The Thursday, I would run at uh, 9.2 kilometers per hour. So I'm actually speeding it up every time I go gra- really gradually. And that's how I whittle the time down. Um, and mixing that up, of course, with running in real life, but obviously I find it's better for me running on the treadmill because I can measure it much more specifically. Um, but that's my hope for this year. That's what I really want to uh, achieve rather than it being something nebulous, like lose weight or eat better or whatever. Hmm. I feel like those things will happen by virtue of the goal that I've set myself. Yeah. Have a specific goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Joe, uh, what about yourself? No, nah. no, 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 no resolutions. This year. Oh, dead right, dead just, right. Just enjoy yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. What more? What more do you need? Um, uh, we'll segue here into the uh, the news. I mean, obviously, there's a, a shit ton of stuff to talk about from while we've been away. Um, I suppose the most pressing uh, one is uh, perhaps quicker than anyone expected. Although it was probably always on the cards. Uh, Vince is back. Um, mm. uh, just that famous Benoit is back image just put Vince's head on it um, uh, he's back and he's making moves he's making plays he's playing all the aces he had up his his sleeve you got 21 he's got 22 and so forth um, yeah so basically it, it, there was a, a, a another Wall Street Journal story came out there like last week 
uh, or this week, sorry, even um, uh, saying, hey, he's thinking of coming back or no, not, not basically saying that he was going to come back. Mm-hmm. And then uh, within a day, I guess, realizing that since it was out, they might as well go with it. Vince and WWE both came out and said he was back. And uh, basically, he dismissed two board members and i think two walked away voluntarily and he reinstalled he 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 took he took his jabroni losers from before uh barrios and wilson who were seen as kind of the uh the spearheads of the of the wwe network which obviously was not a uh, a rollicking success and that ushered in the era of nick khan and the peacock deal and stuff like that but uh vince brought him back uh and and installed him on the board and it was all kind of like putting out statements saying, you know, I'm just I want to make sure that uh, the rights negotiations go well and any other potential uh, opportunities go well, uh, which spurred rumors and talks of a sale. And then obviously in various uh, uh, filings that became apparent, it also basically in pretty plain language, Vince was like, as the majority shareholder, I'm not going to go along with any. TV rights negotiation or any, you know, basically to cut to the chase, any potential sale unless I am there to do it. Um, and so it was it, it was the thing when when he originally left, everyone reported on, which is that he he's still the man in terms of any major decision making there. But uh, yeah, what do we make of that? And uh, what do we make of the sale talks as well that are all extremely speculative <laughs> at the moment? But they are they are definitely happening. Well, I, I fear we should have seen it coming because in yeah. wrestling... All retirements are fake. No one ever goes away voluntarily. Um, it's funny because obviously Vince owns the company. He can do what he wants. Like it, it, There was nothing ever really stopping him from coming back if he actually wanted to. You know what I mean? There's no one that could say, oh, no, sorry, Vince, you can't, you can't take over. He has all the votes. Therefore, he can do whatever he wants. And it was probably inevitable, really, that he was going to, what was he going to do? Take up golf? You know, this is, yeah, this is the thing. He's a psychopath, he's a freak with no personality. He's not going, he's not playing lacrosse with the boys. WWE is his whole world, we know that. Like, it's of course, he was going to come back. All the all the old boys at the retirement home are talking about, oh, did you see that polo game on ESPN 7 last night? And Vince's like, don't you hate it when you're booking a six-month storyline? And then these fuckers are like, oh, I want some time off. And so you have to fire them. <laughs> don't you hate that? And everyone's like, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. As I, I was talking to someone on Twitter about it, yeah, his extremely normal and uh, normal guy birthday he had with John Cena, Brock Lesnar, and Pat McAfee, definitely all there independently and just happy to be there and have a good time with their totally normal and real friend Vince. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, what a sad state of affairs that was. Oh dear. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Like, because we don't know. Yeah, what? 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 Does he just want to come back? Does he actually want to sell the company? Is that all a ruse? Uh, does he want to sell it to someone who will install him as the lifelong, mm. you know, booker and chairman and CEO? <laughs> That'd be great if he didn't own it, but he was installed forever as the booker. <laughs> God, that would be good. I mean, that has been one of the murmurs that he, he, he by 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 pulling this card and saying, I, I'm not going to sign off on any sale unless I'm involved in the sale process is that he, he can work in some kind of clause where he's like, I'm, I'm the figurehead forever until I kick the bucket, basically. Mm. Um, you know, uh, there's been tons of wild speculation. There was, there's talk of, of, uh, I mean, everyone's looking at Comcast, obviously the people who own USA and Peacock and have a 
long, long, long financial history with them. There was talk that the Saudis are interested, which would be hilarious. Um, you know, there was all there was those rumors for years. Vince wanted to buy Newcastle. Well, WWE and Newcastle could technically uh, uh, be under the same uh, same umbrella in a roundabout way. But uh, yeah, more 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 political strife backstage. What do you think uh, about all that, Paul? Uh, the first thought, and this is honestly what went through my head. This isn't a, uh, a, a shock and, and, oh, my God, Paul is saying the wacky, crazy thing again for shock value. Um, when I first read the story, I was like, would this lad just die already and just go away? <laughs> when you said that's what Paul thought, you meant Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, really, the, the, the feeling I had was like, what a, what a sad, pathetic man. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 in a sense a shame. Depending on how this is going to eventually impact television, um, I feel like him getting his dirty, grubby little mitts into it again is is going to eventually manifest itself on, on the television product. And it's a shame because damn, they've come they've come such a long way since he fucked off. And. Um, yeah, how long was he gone? Like what, five months? Five, six months. Yeah, it was barely anything at all. The really, the really cynical thing about it was, I think last there's been a stream of Wall Street Journal articles since the first one. They've kind of, they've, I mean, they've done phenomenal work, kind of constantly updating, and basically everything they've said has come to pass. Uh, but like, I think last month they had one where he was planting the seeds that he wanted to come back, basically saying that he thought he got bad advice from his uh, his inner circle. Right. Seeing each other. The really cynical thing is that, that that's true. Like he didn't have to. He could have just st- stayed there and weathered the storm. Like he's Vincent Man. What what what's anyone going to do? Especially since none of these accusations and they are obviously extremely serious, but none of them were being investigated as like a crime by like mm. the government. So mm. the sad reality is that he was not under any actual real pressure to leave. That's the really no. depressing aspect of it. Well, that that is depressing is that, you know, allegedly all of these things happened he walked away with some amount of grace let's say mm. but uh yeah as you say he could have just come come down and smack down again every week the the cretins in the front row would have been bowing at his feet um god it it, it makes it, it makes me sick a little bit to even think about him yeah good good week for combat sports with with vince back and dana white managing to squeak out his power slap deal on with TBS. Uh, oh, it, it, it very, very briefly seemed like they were going to pull it, and then they kind of came out and said, we're not actually going to pull it. It's funny, because it's the funny thing is, it even bears his name. The show is called Dana White's Power yeah. Slap. It's crazy <laughs> that they're going to put that on television after what happened. Like, it's crazy. I, I, I know we're not doing a prediction show today. No. I'm going to predict uh, there will be a, face, a fatality on that show. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. It, look, look, let, I, don't, I know we're, we're, we've got loads of stuff to talk about. We, we're not in the business today of segues about the slap league or whatever it's called. But combat sports, since <laughs> the beginning of time, when, when two cavemen strapped on the eight-ounce rocks and, and went to battle, right, <laughs> has always, always been about uh, intelligently defending yourself. That's what boxing is about. Hands up, keep your hands up. Da, da, da. MMA. When when a match gets stopped, you always hear that terminology. Intel- intelligently defending yourself. Slap league is you stand there with your chin out and your face out, and another man hits you as hard as he can in the head. Someone yeah. is going to get KO'd and is not going to wake up. I'm telling you. 
It's a yeah. disaster waiting to happen. It is bizarre that they're trying to make, well, I was about to say, a legitimate sport. I mean, I think yes. Dana White's promoting. But there's a reason it's been like a meme that you'd come across every now and then on Facebook or TikTok. And it was always it was always from Russia as well. Like, it was never, it's not like this was going on in Birmingham or some shit. It was always in, uh, you know, from, from regions of questionable uh, athletic commission respectability. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, and that's the thing, like Dana White himself has always talked about, um, you know, other less reputable, less reputable, how ironic is that? Um, uh, Fighting promotions that would do freak show fights and he would say, look at these guys, this isn't real sport. And now he's doing this shit, you know, like, yeah, it's like sub world, world's strongest man. Like there's nothing to it. It's just nothing like. Yeah. Why is this on the side? This is like something from Idiocracy. It's freak. It's freak really show is. morbid curiosity. Oh, God. Yeah, it, it's anyway. horrendous. I mean, oh well. So Vince back. That's both back. awful and hilarious at the same time. Yeah. And uh, I will be following it closely for the rest of the year. Can't wait to yes. see what happens. I will say as well. I know we have our. I know we have our stupid idiot of the year award. Until a few days ago, Vince was going to be mine. I think I have to give him instead my 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 sneaky snake of the year award for wriggling his way back in. Well, yeah, I think that's I think that's that's fair. New new award coming hot on the heels. This is the award show, by the way. We'll be getting oh, we didn't to, even say that. We'll be we'll be getting to the awards shortly. We've we've kind of split them up here throughout the uh, the show, so they'll be coming at you thick and fast. Uh, before we get to our first award, the one more wrestling story is we kind of. Did we, by the, before we finished up before Christmas, did we even talk about how then Sasha Banks was rumored to be at Wrestle Kingdom? I think we did. I think we just about mentioned that she was going to be there, was about all we knew. Um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, sure enough, we, we are now post-Wrestle Kingdom. We'll actually, we'll probably talk about the show itself shortly. Uh, but just to just to jump to, I suppose, some of the juiciest uh, uh, story coming out of it is that we did get the, the grand reveal of Mercedes Monet, um, the, the new and improved... Sasha Banks, um, uh, you know, post WWE and all that. She came out after the uh, um, uh, IWGP Women's Title match and challenged champion Kyrie to a uh, match at uh, Battle of the Valley, which is in February 18th, which is ages away when you kind of think about it. Um, yeah, it was. <sighs> I mean, it was it was to, it was a mixed bag. We'll, we'll put it that way. Um, I, before we even get to anything she did, when she came out, there was like a reaction, but it was not people. I mean, it was certainly a lot more muted than if she had gone to completely silent and just showed up in AEW next week. Obviously, yeah. an American crowd would go absolutely ballistic mm-hmm. for for the the first Sasha Banks appearance. You know, they they reacted like someone had jumped ship, but like no more so than. Uh, like pick a pick a WWE mid carder. Do you know oh what God. I mean? What's QT Marshall doing? Uh, no, Tokyo she, she got a bit more of a reaction <laughs> than QT Marshall. But it, <laughs> do you know what it would be like? It would be like the reaction if if the lights went out after a never match and uh, Alistair Black came out. Do you know what I mean? It was like that level of reaction. I you know. Whereas if it were you know, like I said, if if she if she debuted in America first, that would have been. Triple H in 2002 coming back reaction, I would have thought. So she didn't get a great reaction coming back, and she didn't get a great reaction uh, challenging Kyrie for a match in two months' time on a different continent. 
didn't also get much of a great reaction, which isn't on her. I think. I think. Look, I. I, I think the, the the IWGP women's stuff and Mercedes in particular be brought in. I think that is obviously a big let's get New Japan back on track in America move. So fair enough, but I think I think having your big moment be your your, your challenging for a match two months in San Francisco is a little a little odd to do in the Tokyo Dome. Um and then there was the actual uh her appearance herself, which is you know she looked great walking down to the ring and then uh <laughs> I was about to say then the bell rang. It didn't quite ring but she did. Th- she's got this new fucking goofy Sammy Guevara ass finish that I hate, and um, didn't nail it. Uh, and I saw a video of her doing it correctly that was apparently done a few weeks ago. I didn't like that either. I just hate it. I hate the move. It's so bad. Mm. Well, I think the issue is it, it's not a move that you can just hit to surprise someone with. It's too convoluted for that. It's like a SmackDown shut your mouth creative finisher. Um, wouldn't it have been cooler and like if you just kicked her and nailed her with a DDT? I said the exact same thing. I was like, yeah, if she just did a normal DDT, that'd be great. Yeah, it was so bad. I couldn't actually work out what happened. That's how bad it was. I kind of thought, what was what was she trying to do there? I was was at a loss. Yeah, it looked like from the video of the one actually actually being hit that Kyrie was supposed to stop after the turnaround Mm. before going down. She kind of went down in one motion, and Sasha wasn't ready. Or Mo- um, what's her fucking name? Mercedes Monique Monet. Monet. <laughs> Mercedes Monet. Okay. I, I I remember because those Monet. there was a, there was a couple of like ideas floating around that she had apparently trademarked, and I didn't really like any of them. I think when you say Mercedes Monet out loud enough times, it kind of does roll a little bit, and it's kind of yeah, like it's okay, okay, it's it's not bad, but I mean it's a little bit lame when you go oh Monet like money oh mm. like that's a bit silly, but like it's also wrestling like whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was yeah mixed bag, and, and that's why I'm now more than ever I'm hoping she's in that AEW match because I think she to kind of shake off that not great performance. I think she needs to just get out there and have a tag match and have a like have a real fucking match. And now if she is in the match, I imagine she's tagging in and getting the pin, and that's it. And you know, I, I I'm not expecting her to go out there and do forty minutes, you know. But um, well, at the yeah. same time, she has the old chip on her shoulder from how she was treated on the way out. So maybe yeah. she is. Maybe she's got something to prove. Um, what did you think of the the uh, Guy Fieri shirt hair? The uh... <laughs> I I thought it was all right. I I think it's kind of obvious. She's. I think she more so than just changing the name, which obviously she has to do like, yeah. legally. I think she's trying to be a different thing. I don't think she's just trying to be Sasha Banks under a different. She name. still had the little boss. She finger. had the boss, like she's kept some of it, you know, because I think yeah. she has to. She has to harken back to something, but I think it's very much trying to do a different thing. And yeah. I, you know, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I was like, it was all right, you know. It was all right. She's had better. She's had worse looks. She's had better looks. I would say it's, it's kind of slap them in the middle of her her pantheon, you know. Yeah. There we go. So yeah, that's 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 uh, that's Mercedes. We will see. I'm I like I say. I hope there's been loads of weird mixy matchy reporting about whether or not she's coming in to AEW. Obviously, it's in such typical wrestling fan fashion, and I was guilty of this as well. I was like, well, if it's if it's not Sasha, they should say ahead of time who it is, right? Because the you you don't want the fans to reject the tag match when it's not Sasha. And then when they announced it's Tony, I was like, that's a red herring. That means it is Sasha. That means it is Mercedes. So so I think. <laughs> 
I think they're kind of in a tough spot where if it is legitimately not her and she's not coming in, I feel like they're going to have a tough time with that match. I don't know how you realistically do it that way, though, because they've set up that it's Tony and they did the little sit down where Sheeta was like, oh, doing the uh, the little rascals like, hmm, I'm all angry because you didn't pick me, um, which leads to that there'll be a Tony Sheeta whatever thing. Yeah. But it's not as if they can do like an attack backstage before the match. And then, hey, Sasha Banks just happens to be walking <laughs> oh by. God, she's sleeping with my partner. <laughs> Someone, someone's taken her out with a really bad DDT. What's going like, on? I feel like if they're going to do that, it would have been on Rampage or yeah, Battle of the Bells and nothing. So, I don't know. Let's yeah. See. I'm, I'm going to do my best to avoid spoilers for that for that episode and, and just watch it. Watch it straight because I mean it's it's also just looking like an incredible episode of TV. So I'm I, yes, I'm, my God, that's uh, loaded. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a Mercedes money. But by all accounts, she is getting comical amounts of money to do this. So I I I'm really curious to see what the matches look like. Um. Anyway, that is the wrestling. Uh, that's the biggest news stories of the of the of the wrestling cycle while we were gone. We'll jump into our first award here. Um, this is a we've got a mix for those of you who might be new. We've got a mix of wrestling awards. We've got the usual spread of kind of best match, best wrestler, stupid idiot award for just the moron. We kind of like the least worst wrestling thing of the year, so on and so forth. But then we will also do our movie and show and and, and album of the year and stuff like that. Mm. So uh, we'll kick things off here with Match of the Year, the best professional wrestling match of any description from any promotion anywhere at all between the 1st of January 2022 and the 31st of December 2022. And uh, I don't have an order written down here. I will just throw it to Joe. Okay, okay. Well, I've got um, I've got a list of seven matches, okay. which I thought were the best. You know, I keep a list as, as the year goes on. I Whenever I think a match is really good, I add it to my list. So, because mm, otherwise, I, I have no fucking idea what yeah, happened last March or April. <laughs> I, I forgot Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor like that was only eight, eight months ago or something. But anyway, so I've got a list. I've got seven matches here. And what's very unusual, there's not a single singles match in that top seven. Wow. They're all tag matches, and six of those matches feature the same team. Okay, highly, unusual, highly unusual. Highly yeah. unusual. So, honorable mentions. Um, I do have actually one singles match I wanted to mention, which was Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus, uh, the cage mm. match. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. was a, a probably forgotten little gem because you know, it opened the show, but that was a that was a really, really good performance from Jungle Boy. It's kind of kind of match he needs to have like every pay per view uh, and on TV. But, um, yeah, in tag matches, um, honorable mentions to FTR versus the Young Bucks. The, the second match in their in their series mm-hmm. this year, um, FTR versus John Moxley and CM Punk. Um, that one feels like ages ago. Yeah, was that when he hurt his I foot? Think... No, that was a different. No, match, I so. think it was before no, that. He was with FTR in that one. Yeah, it was the one where I thought Samoa Joe was going to come out as his partner because that was around mm-hmm. the time Joe joined. But it turned out to be right. that was an absolutely fantastic match. Uh, honorable mention to FTR versus Aussie Open, uh, which I saw live. Oh yes. Yeah. Which is an absolutely fantastic match. Um, honorable mention to FTR versus the Briscoes, the the first you know, straight wrestling match they had, which was brilliant, and to the two out of three falls match they had, which was uh, also fantastic. Maybe mm. topped the first one, maybe not, depending on your point of view. 
Uh, and honorable mention to the Anarchy in the Arena match, mm. which I don't think anyone thought was going to be that f- f- much of a masterpiece. But, you know, when Eddie Kingston walked out with the, the petrol can or whatever it was, that yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, phenomenal. However, I'm going to give my match of the year to the third in the series of FTR versus the Briscoes, the dog collar match, the double dog collar match. Fantastic. Exactly what I want from wrestling. Men bleeding on men, violence. Uh, It was straight like 1987 NWA. It was just, it was fantastic. I thought it was a fantastic way to end the feud. Great match. No no flaws at all. Apart Mm. from maybe when... Baldy tried to wrap the chain around his head and fucked it up. <laughs> that was like the small, like, if I had to change They made it work. It was, it was all right. fine. But it was fine. You know, I love him anyway. So, yeah, my match of the year, the uh, FTR versus Briscoe's dog collar match. Excellent. Excellent. Great pick. Uh, I'll jump in here because you mentioned most of most of mine. That was an honorable, uh, that, well, honorable mention slash debating being number one for me. I don't think we got, I don't think we talked about that pay-per-view on it. That was a fucking unbelievably great match. I mean, it really was. Uh, loved that. Uh, shout out to MJF versus CM Punk dog collar match. Uh, uh, really, really fabulous uh, match. Um uh, one another match we didn't get to talk about because it was during our hiatus. The first Darby versus Joe match. Oh my god, I loved that match. That was the match where I was like, well, "This is this might as well be 2005." Joe is back, baby. He's fucking back. Uh, Bianca versus Becky from WrestleMania was like felt like fucking. This is a real fucking WrestleMania fucking epic. Do you know what I mean? And, and you know, it's it's. It really properly delivered on 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 that kind of show stealing WrestleMania premise. Uh, Tony versus Jamie Hader, which I was there for, was that was a that was one of those proper I I I'll cherish that I was there for that matches because the reaction was so crazy. But my number one, uh, uh, Joe did give give it a mention. Uh, was Anarchy in the Arena, uh, just totally unique and weird, and it could have been terrible, but they made it work and. Uh, loved it, just absolutely, loved it. totally unique, and the type of thing that I think it should be a, 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 a not that they necessarily have to do it again. I think it would be great as a one and done, but I think that should be like a little linchpin. AEW can pin that as their kind of trademark thing. Great workers, but also that sports entertainmenty spectacle wildness. Do you know what I mean? That they that they get they get right more than they get wrong. So yeah, anarchy in the arena for me. What about you, Paul? Wrap us up here. Yeah, I mean, all my matches have been mentioned already. So I have one honorable mention, which which hasn't been mentioned. And I think it's probably one that was that'll be specific to me. I don't see it making a lot of lists, but I okay. thoroughly enjoyed. I want to double check, make sure it was this year, because I'm going to look very silly if it wasn't. Hangman Page versus Lance Archer, Texas Deathmatch. That was this year. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, yeah. Very, very much enjoyed that with a super clever finish. The, uh, the buckshot lariat off the ref's back through the yeah. table on the outside. Loved, loved, loved it. Um, but I'm going to be the uh, the tiebreaker here. My match of the year is FTR and the Briscoes double dog collar match for the same reason, Joe Mitch. I had Anarchy in the arena on my honorable mentions as well as Darby Joe, which Barry mentioned, which is very, um, felt very similar to my favorite match of all time, Joe AJ. There was a lot of yeah. callbacks to that. So obviously I love that. Uh, the Jungle Boy Luchasaurus cage match, MJF Punk dog collar match. I have on there as well. But yeah, I liked the dog collar match with on the Ring of Honor one. 
to Joe's point, there wasn't a lot of fuckery with setting up a ladder between the ropes and the table, 10 mm. tables on the outside. It was just two, four lads with, with chains just fighting. Yeah. And it was great. I loved it. It's not that long either as well. It just fucking like, I remember it thinking, not that it ended prematurely, but I was shocked when it ended when it did. I was like, oh, because they didn't have to do seven bajillion stunts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. Speaking of matches, because we talked about Joe Darby. Speaking of matches that happened in, in our in our time away, I'll give another honorable mention to Jamie Hader and her Karushida. Oh my God, what a match! Yeah. That yeah. was great. I tell you, the Jamie era. It is it is delivering. It is delivering. I mean, you talk about someone who had a lot of hype in the chase, but she's she's fucking bringing the goods um, sure. uh, in this run. And we will yeah. before we go to- on. I just want to mention one more thing because I mentioned AJ Joe a second ago. We don't have on our news, but very important to mention because I think for the three of us, very important. The passing of Don West. Oh, um, yes, of course. I should have put that on. Um, Very, very sad. Loved the Tanae West pairing back in my heyday of watching TNA from... I started in 2004, so right before Spike launched Impact. Um, just before then, back in the Kid Cash days. And I watched it through to when we started watching it. A hmm. um, lot of great memories of TNA and that era. And definitely, I think Don West was a big, big part of that. Um, that was insane. After like the most mundane arm drag. He would, he would make <laughs> anything sound exciting, you know? Um, love, love, love Don West. Love, still to this day, love Mike Tanae. I thought they were one, one of my favorite pairings in wrestling commentary history. We, I love Taz. We love Taz. Taz is obviously our boy. Uh, I was a little bit sad when Taz initially replaced Don West. I, I wasn't totally. totally on totally on board with that uh, decision, but um, very sad to see Don West go. He was he was uh, one of the, one of the I think underrated wrestling personalities of the last maybe twenty five. Totally, I I and I think that's a phrase that's that's overused a lot, but it's one hundred percent true for Don West. People did not like Tanae and West as a team. Uh, in their heyday, uh, I think if you, you know, I think they've they've gained a lot of appreciation in hindsight. But I think people who liked them at the time, like I, I was always a fan of Don West, and I, I think, I think that was that was very rare. And and yeah, absolutely fucking love Taz. He's one of the best commentators going today. But that was a little. That was one of those Hogan Bischoff. They're making changes occurrences where you're like they've they're they're cutting out a core piece of TNA by doing this. They're really undercutting it, and uh, it was. Very unfortunate. I thought Impacted had a really lovely video uh, that they put out of all his highlights and people talking about what his contributions mean to them. It was very, very nice. Uh, Yeah, what about yourself, Joe? Any any, any Don West thoughts? You know, I never, I I didn't watch TNA during the the Don West era. I think I started when Taz had joined. Yeah. Um, So I can't really, can't, don't even favorite Don West memories, but I think, you know, people's reaction kind of shows you that he was, he was very good comments. He did, did, did what, did his job. He did what he was there to do, which is to get you excited and to put people over. That's what commentators yeah. are there to do. I'll, I'll always remember the the Kurt Angle. Was it Kurt Angle or was a Sting, the debut, where he, he and today did a big high five yeah. as it went yeah. off the air. They were so happy. There you go. Oh, rest in peace to the great Don West. Um, uh, chatting wrestling this week. Uh, I think AEW has been on fire lately. I think they've yes. they've, they've had some truly great television. They had some great crowds as well lately. I mean, they've they've felt like a promotion back on the upswing after you know the middle part of 2022. Uh, you know, uh, maybe the wheels the wheels coming off a little bit, coming off a teensy bit. On uh, on 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 that, let me 
but you know um, what happened? They got rid of all of the Ring of Honor titles, and ah. magically, magically, it went back to being good again. Funny that. <laughs> isn't that isn't that interesting? Um, we will uh, we'll take our victory lap on that. Uh, but anyway, the uh, the January fourth edition this week coinciding the new with- look dynamite. Oh yeah, let's talk about that and how I don't like it. Um, <laughs> uh, I think they should have gotten a new song. First of all, Ooh, okay. Uh, I I don't dislike the dynamite song, but I think if you're going to do a refresh, get a new song. We're uh, going out tonight. We're watching dynamite. CM Punk, we don't miss you. Money. I love that bit in her song where where I I hope that's I hope she owns that song and she's going to use it in AEW because it's just like money. I'm not doing the rhythm right because I don't know the actual rhythm of the song. I just know that every thirty seconds it goes money. It's very it's very um like I, I I don't know what it's 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 distinctly like I think Japanese wrestling. Do you know what I mean? Like it kind of reminds me of of some of the great. Th- anyway, but we'll we'll not get distracted by by Mercedes Monet's uh, uh, theme. I don't I I I don't like the new video where it's just all them posing in front of the lasers. I think it's super lame and boring. Um, and I think the stage. I think they've done some cool stuff with the stages. Like I think Brit's entrance looked really cool with like she had her usual skull and blood stuff, but then she had like two little screens. That looked like yeah. kind of like traditional Titantrons of her posing and doing moves and stuff. But I think it, I think it looks too WWE. I think it looks so WWE. I think it's just big. Where's the chandelier? Where are the tunnels? Where are the you know where are the where where are the old Impact Zone tunnels? I I'm very disappointed in the new look. What do you guys make of the new T- look? Tunnels only got you so far, brother. <laughs> we want tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a lot more generic, but I do. It does look very kind of prestigious you know what i mean like yeah. the same reason wwe do it they have the massive fucking stage and everything else to try and make it look big league and i think that's what what they're going for and so yeah you do lose that kind of uniqueness but um i think it looks good. i like the screens i think they look pretty good and i, I wasn't ever a big fan of the tunnels because of the tna Aww. connotations so i don't mind so much but i agree on the opening you know the video is a bit yeah, it could be anything. It could be power slap. It could be <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rat, you know? yeah, yeah, have them do some wrestling. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting because historically their dynamite intro has always been updated to include the newest shot from the pay per view or whatever. There's always yeah. been action shots in there, so I wonder if they're gonna over time implement some of that. Um, yeah, and coming from the era that we come from, from back in the day, uh, I've always been a fan. Like, I don't mind, you know, nice, fancy new. LED screens. I'm sure it's cheaper to lug those around than the tunnels, for example. It's probably cost them less to do it that way, and they figure you can do anything with screens. But I've always been a fan of mixing that technology with physical sets. Mm. Mm. Uh, what they did with, like you know, with the original Double or Nothing, for example, with the the big giant poker chips and stuff like that like i always love the, the physicality of having a set and if you want to play around with then led lights or led screens behind that you know cool i agree it looks a little, a little bit generic i'm surprised they left the ringside area basically as it was um because it, it, it's as if like on, on the ring apron you still have the black and white and gold color theme which doesn't match exactly with the screens 
you have I, I love the commentary setup by the way that looks way better than before. yeah I like that yeah mm. um but yeah I, I, I it feels like a half measure it feels like they kind of they said right we're gonna do the the look the new look of dynamite but really they only did the stage area <laughs> everything else is more or less basically the same would have been nice to have either new ring aprons. Um, the logo is different as well on the screen. It's like it doesn't have the the brick effect mm-hmm. on it. It looks much more cleaner. But then they still use the brick effect logo on the aprons and on the the uh, indent on the screen. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like they they, they it's it's not entirely finished yet. We might see some more. Yeah. Stuff well, they'll, they they because even they never formally called it a rebrand, but they've changed the intros a couple of times and remember the remember the, the multicolored smoke thing they used to have in the, in the early that. days i thought that was great i thought that was genuinely yeah. really good but anyway onto the actual show itself they opened with ricky starks versus chris jericho chris jericho is absolutely on one lately i mean when is he not on one but just i think he's really it's really getting to him that people seem to be pointing out that like he likes putting people over once and then dragging the arse out of the feud so that they don't end up super hot afterwards. And he seems really irritated that people seem to have cottoned on to that. Uh, but Ricky Starks did get the win here. So, you know, um, yeah. we'll see. And then he got absolutely annihilated afterwards and put through a table. <laughs> i tell you oh, what, though, the, the, the Jericho is doing a good enough job. To the point that Action Andretti got a good reaction when he ran out. You listen, I like the action stuff. I think it's. I, I think it, I don't. I don't think all the criticism of Jericho is totally justified. I think. I think to a certain extent his feuds go a little long. I mean, I was. I'm glad they appear to have mercy killed the the Blackpool Combat Club, JAS yeah. thing. That was they, they ripped the arse out of that. But no, look, Andretti. Yeah, has the already been established as a nice little mid carder just off this Jericho stuff, and he yeah. got to do he got to do his big comeback with his burnt face this week, <laughs> the cane. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll we'll see where that goes. What you make of the match? The match is pretty good, I thought. I don't know what it was with this dynamite. I think it wasn't actually the dynamite itself. It was that the fact that I had um just I I was only back to work on the Tuesday, so I was like a zombie and like really not caught up with the new sleep pattern quite yet but i this this dynamite although good kind of a lot of it washed over me and uh, i think this was good i think the main event was good but i struggle to tell you much about it the the other stuff there, there was a, a lot of stuff di- did kind of feel a little bit like filler um we got uh hangman and mox had another face off it was really good um, i did like that i did we, like that. We, we won't recap it uh, you know it Mox, I, I love Mox's thing of just, I fucked you up and you're salty about it and I'm going to do it again. Um, <laughs> yeah. After, after you know, Hangman's character has kind of been the perennial loser a little bit. And, you know, with cause, they've been building stuff. Like, I think he probably needs to win next week. I, I, I absolutely agree. I think I'm um, over Mox here. Yeah, I think, I think TK... Uh, you know, I think he reads a little bit from the book of Gato a little bit, which is, oh, you can just, you can tease him out six more months, a year, another year before Hangman gets the big win. I'm like, no, we, we're, we're in year four of this company. Let's fucking, let's let the guy win a couple of big matches. Let's have Hangman win by Dr. Stoppage. Oh, that? that would be f- amazing if they did that because it's, it, it, he's going against the most legit, quote unquote, legit guy in the audience's eyes. That would be fantastic if they did that. Really? Um, so yeah, we'll see. That match is, is on television next week. Can you believe it? As part of the Stacks yeah. Dynamite we talked about. Uh, we got uh, the first of our two Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal acclaimed <laughs> matches. Double J getting double paydays. 
uh, as he is wont to do. This this was pretty good. Not as good as the the diss track laid down by uh, (laughs) Max Caster, which was brutal. Absolutely brutal. I love that we got two this week. We got two. We got two acclaimed tracks. And obviously, yeah, we we were away to discuss the music video from last week. We were away to discuss Karen Jarrett's tweets about the music video. Uh, we were away to discuss Kelly Kelly's response to the tweets. Uh, but yeah, the match was uh, the match was good. I think I think these these teams work well together. And look, Jeff Jarrett, you know he's he's uh, he's had some iffy performances in this stage of his career. Uh, but you know he's uh He's on the straight and narrow lately, and 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 for a fellow of his age, I think he's he, he's putting in a couple of shifts in his t, in his uh, TNA matches. I would say his AEW <laughs> matches, um, and I think he's I think he's bringing the goods. Yeah, I enjoyed both of these matches. We'll have to get to. I think the, I think the uh, the Battle of the Bells hold was stronger, but I liked the little uh, fake finish. The ref, the ref coming out and doing the no, don't the, you got to restart the match. I love all that shit. I, I didn't like it when AEW did that for the first time a couple of months ago, but now they've kind of established a thing of if a bunch of referees come down because there's interference or a brawl happening, that seems to be the only instance where they do a, a dusty finish. Mm. If there's a second referee down there for an unrelated reason, they go, oh, no, wait, no, you didn't see this. So I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of, if they've kind of established that's the rule, because the thing because the thing that bothered me the last time they did it was I it's like WWE would go years without doing it and then they'd suddenly just decide the referee can reverse things based on looking yeah. at the replay and then other times they wouldn't do it so long as there's consistency I think I'm 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 happy with that I think the the crowd plays a part as well because you, yeah. you do you do this in front of a dead crowd it comes off super lame yeah do it in front of a crowd who are baying for blood and they're they're into it and it works this was Seattle. Wasn't yeah. it? This is this yeah, is yeah. Uh, well, speaking of, in fact, yeah, that was we were with Brian Danielson next versus Tony Nice. Look, I I was not one of the people crying about Danielson being here instead of Wrestle Kingdom. I didn't care about that. Get over it. But I was <laughs> I was a little disappointed that this was a three minute match. I mean, Tony Nice is not Okada, but he's a decent wrestler, and I think they could have had an actual match here. Yeah, um, it was a bit of a bummer. Um, but it was obviously it was obviously because they were going to have MJF and Brian talk for a half hour afterwards, uh, yeah. which was a little long. I, 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 it was it was okay. I thought they had they had some funny lines. Um, I, I just it was it was kind of Danielson doing Daniel Bryan a little bit on the mic, and I didn't really like it. Uh, I just don't like him as the smarmy baby face. I think it 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 it, it highlights his what few. Uh, deficiencies he has as a pro wrestler, and I, I, I didn't love it. Yeah, even the the point of it being that Dyson was chasing him through arenas to beat the shit out of him, and now he's doing your mother's a slut joke. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of defe- defeated the. He, the t- he had to get under his skin. It was the only way he could get MJF to agree to the match was to stoop to his level. You know, that's the cerebral assassin, you know. I'll give the benefit of that. And to be fair, Iron Man match sounds right up my alley. Yes, please. That'll be like longer than MJF's last two years of ring time combined. Yeah, the first hour long AEW. Iron Man. Iron Man, yeah, they did a thirty-minute one. Right? Yes, with Pack. That was a fucking incredible match, Pack and um, Kenny. 
yeah. Um, yeah, so look, that'll be interesting. I, I did like MJF, by the way, saying that he was endorsed by Disco Inferno and Eric Bischoff. And <laughs> Jim like, he literally is like, like if you're gonna if you're gonna write that line and you put it and you said to me, okay, Barry, you're writing this wrestling show. Who are the three worst podcasters a heel would say he's endorsed by? I think he nailed he nailed the exact yeah. three. Yeah. It was so good. It was so good. Um, I hope they have some good ideas to kind of stretch this all the way to fucking revolution, though. I mean, so basically the story yeah. is that if, if Danielson can go undefeated until the 8th, of, until the 4th of February, I think it is, or the first week of February, basically, so he's got like five weeks, then on the 8th of March, he can have a match. So I guess it's just going to be matches for a month, and then they'll do their, you know, promo battles, contract signing bullshit, whatever they end up doing for the month. Right. Um, I hope so anyway, because uh, like I don't think we need two months of him and MJF going back back and forth. I, no. you know. Um, so yeah, they're doing the Takeshita match next week, which ooh bebe, <laughs> ooh bebe, serve that up to me on a silver platter, bebe. Mm. <laughs> Very much looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Let me scroll down here. Uh, we got AR Fox versus Swerve Strickland. This was very fun, very fun TV match. Yeah, nice throwback to our Lich on the ground roots. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah, not much to say about it. It was just really, really good. They, they, they are like totally in sync. Textbook great opponents. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I think, I think, I think Fox is a great guy to have in this kind of role. Just, in, just kind of having matches on TV, even if he doesn't win. Yeah, absolutely. There, there were there were a few kill shot references as well on the show. Didn't Moxley make one? And yeah. Then uh, I think Excalibur on Excalibur just straight up said they had a feud in Lucha Underground, <laughs> and this he was called Kill Shot. <laughs> yeah, which was I, I appreciate him just saying it. You know that was always nice. Yeah. Um, we got a. Uh, by the way, uh, Brona was pointing out, and I, I totally agree. Swerve has really nice merch because it doesn't look like wrestling merch mm. with the little kind of art. RNG mogul affiliates logo. I, I I might get one of those bad boys if it's not seventy dollars before shipping, which it probably is. Um, oh, there's a there's a European shop. True, yeah, true. Uh, let me see here. We got the uh, Soraya, Tony, and Hikaru Shida stuff. I like I like Shida here, kind of looking jilted because Soraya was like, "We've got great uh, stars in this division, like you know Tony Storm, she's so good, and 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 you." <laughs> she goes to Hikaru Shida, which was really nice. I think they have to go heel with Soraya. It's so uh, she's just not likable at all, and I I hope this was a little foreshadowing because everyone's talking about Shida turning on on Tony. Uh, but if anyone should go here yeah, out of these three, that would make no sense, would it? Given what Soraya was doing, yeah, <laughs> like so really, Soraya should go heel, but I, I don't see that on the cards. I think they need faces more than they need heels, to be honest. Because mm. um, yeah. they've got Jade or Prit or something. Exactly, because they've got like Jade undefeated like, has Jamie. They can turn Jamie and then have Paige as a heel with her. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. Like, oh, Paige and Brit would be a, a like a really the ultimate annoying team if Jamie went babyface. But um, yeah, because they've got like Brit, who's like the fixture in the division. They've got Jade, who's beaten every babyface in the company seventeen different times. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, that 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 uh, that seals Tony in as the partner, you know, for now. Uh, we got an extremely raw segment where the guns came out to do an FTR funeral. I mean, I mean, literally, this has been on Raw a hundred times. They've done a version of this. Oh, the guns are great. Though. They are good. It was funny. It was funny. They are enough, the like most improved of the year, because like, I'll tell you what. Probably a year ago, I thought they were shit. Then I started to ironically like them. <laughs> now I just think they're actually quite good. <laughs> it's just entertaining. Yeah. 
I think that's fair. I think I think I think they have genuinely um, uh, come around quite a lot, and and you know, hopefully uh, they they take something from the FTR uh, program. Uh, Jade and Red Velvet versus Sky Blue and Kira Hogan. They so desperately need to do something new with Jade. Last week, um, uh, Kira Jade did a spot with Layla Gray, where Layla was holding Kira in place for Jade to do a big exaggerated slap and Red Velvet grabbed her hand and stopped the slap and I felt like saying okay well that's the split then you've put your hands on her and you've stopped her from and then this week they're doing the unlikely tag partner thing I'm like oh my god like what have they they have the Jade stuff has gone so far off the rails in the last couple of months it really feels just low effort from the booking side not obviously from from the performer side um it feels like they're crawling to 50 and I guess I guess I, I like. I don't know what the conclusion is once they get to fifty. I, I saw some speculation this week that maybe Velvet is the one to beat her because she was her first opponent, and and they have history together. And she turned heel and joined her. But yeah, I I just don't I just don't feel that, especially because this specific angle is ice cold. Especially because the finish to this match was fucking. Velvet does the what is it the Luger the the famous jump off the apron and don't go for the tag <laughs> thing and so Jay just turns around and kicks Kira in the face and pins her in two seconds I'm like Kira Hogan is done why would you ever cheer this girl she teams with the Jabrones she like Jade's partner turns on her and she still pins her in seconds I'm like oh my god this whole division needs a, a shake up I think should do like a, a fake Undertaker angle bring in like a fake Jade. Oh my god! Wig on, and they'd be like, and Jade's like, oh, they could do a Hogan warrior. She's like, oh my god, I'm the only one that can see this. There's a freak Jade. Oh, just something stupid. Just, to, person- just to differentiate it. Just something really stupid. Just the only person who can beat her is herself. Exactly. Mm. Clone Jade. Um. Uh, and then we got the second Joe Darby match, which uh, Darby won, and it was great again. It was, I think, it was a hair under the first one, but uh, yeah, uh, really enjoyed. Yeah, I'm glad Darby's where he where he belongs. Not good. Yeah, jobbed out to Kyle O'Reilly, fucking Tony Khan, piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully, good things for Darby in the year ahead. Great show. Already, yeah, that was a uh, yeah, and it was it was one of those shows where all the all the locals went over strong. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Darby, the the local there. Uh, we don't. I think we don't know if we necessarily have to go through them in depth, but I thought Rampage and Battle of the Belts were both really fun. They were good. Um, yeah. Finally, a Battle of the Belts with a little bit of juice on it. Uh, we were l- lamenting the the Jade angle, but I thought she and Sky Blue had like Jade's probably her best match yet. I think. Um. Yeah, no, nothing else jumps out at me as the, the definitive answer to that. Um, you know, but that was really good. And then we got the uh, the no holes barred acclaimed match, which they worked a little bit too much like a normal tag for my tastes for most sure. of it. But once once it all kicked off and Satnam chokeslammed them both, and the, all, when all the mayhem kicked off, it was it was great. It was very fun. And then the main event. I mean, I thought Kip Sabian looked good, and it was like his maybe his best match I've seen him have. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, he he held he held up his own. I'm I'm, I'm I've been a bit perplexed by this because I, I I feel like after two years of sitting in the crowd with that box on his head, I thought it was a little this. Is this really all you're bringing? But he but when it came time for the big match, I thought he did really well. Yeah, it was good. So two fun shows. The crowd being hot throughout. 
helped a lot too on on Dynamite and Rampage Battle of the Bells. So good for them. Uh, unlike in Wrestle Kingdom, or where the Japanese crowds are, they allowed cheer? Are they not allowed cheer? I can't even tell sometimes. Um, so I watched all of Wrestle Kingdom. Is there anybody really? Else I just watched. I watched Omega Osprey and, and the Mercedes thing. That's all I watched. Yeah, I watched like four four matches, I think. Yeah. Here's here's my take on Wrestle Kingdom. Um, Omega Osprey was really great. Yeah. Really excellent. Um, every other match was boring. <laughs> Really, I yeah, that and it wasn't a great show. <laughs> that's the that, that, I have to say that is one of the more negative reviews I've heard. I've I, I there was a lot of I because I remember ugh, it was my fucking one day in the office, so I couldn't watch the show. But I was checking my phone, and it was like the most excited I've seen people about New Japan genuinely since COVID started. Yeah, uh, no, you're you're okay. Fair enough. I, I I I thought every match was like three stars. Okay, hey. well, I, I I saw three star matches. That's really good. That's thirty stars. Right there. <laughs> Well, I saw the Observer um, scores, and I was like, oh, well, this guy loves his New Japan, I guess, because like that main event as well was so like directly after, because I went from Omega Osprey directly to Okada, Jay White, for what feels like the 10th time, um, and they just sure had a slow match that went on for half an hour. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't impressed really by anything. anything even the, like, I mean, I guess the, the FTR match I thought was like a letdown. I thought it was okay. Um, the junior heavyweights match was fun, but like I've seen New Japan junior heavyweight, even like fail four ways like this one was, that were like crazy. This one was just good. You know? I mean, Osprey and Omega was head and shoulders with everything else in the show. Yeah. To be honest. I wasn't that impressed. You know, I, I feel like Wrestle Kingdom should be a bigger spectacle. Maybe if there were one or two AEW heads sprinkled in there, aside from Omega, obviously. That would have made a big deal. Like the like the Carol Anderson Tamatanga match, like nothing. Nothing match. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't I wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed. I've, I've seen better New Japan. I've seen better G one shows than Wrestle Kingdom was. Okay. What did you make a Joe of what of what you watched? Uh, I, I found it quite boring, but I think I just I, th- I just don't like New Japan. I think I always find it boring. I just watch it anyway because I feel like I'm supposed to because it's, yeah. it's so <laughs> highly acclaimed. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got to watch it. And then I just sit there and go, yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really enjoy any of this. It's like sitting through a, a really acclaimed film. Like, I don't know. Some I, don't th- I don't think it helped that a lot of my favorite New Japan guys, your Shingo Takagi, your Tomohiro Ishii, your Minoru Suzuki were like all in the pre-show battle royal. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. none, of them, none of them were on the main show. And then the main show you had wrestlers who are a little bit boring, you know. And Zack Sabre Jr. and Narita was okay, I guess. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 maybe I built it up too much in my head because I've watched previous Wrestle Kingdoms and really enjoyed them. I have... Uh, a, a distinct memory in my head of like young bucks having a wild arena wide brawl doing moon salts off the um infrastructure there that holds up the lighting rig and stuff like that and then this one there's just there's all in ring and nothing too crazy apart from obviously the 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 six and a quarter star match which was which was excellent you know i didn't i didn't think it was a six and a quarter it was really good but 
Uh, maybe yeah. maybe if don't I'd say, watched don't it say live, it out loud. Don't say it out loud. I, I, I agree. Uh, maybe if I'd watched it live, I would have thought it was great. Obviously, these things are always less special when you go in, first of all, hearing all the reviews, and second of all, knowing the broad strokes of the match. But I thought it was really good, but I, I, I did not think it was on that level. Like I thought, I think if, if we called it, just for the sake of argument, a 2022 match, it would have been like top 10 of the year, probably, for me. No, for me it would be higher, but I agreed that I think it's his second joint second highest ever rated match on the Observer. I think I think Okada Omega two out of three is is the the seven star. Yes, and I don't think he's gone six. And a, the thing people get mad about him breaking the scale, perfectly fine, whatever. I get really irrationally annoyed when he does the quarter stars over five. Like he's given matches five and a quarter. Just call it six then, if it's over five. What the fuck is a like 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 a, a five and a quarter star he's comparing Six. matches to other matches yeah, so it's a quarter like, star better he's like this was a quarter star better than their five star match so which is a bit silly because you don't rank every match in yeah. relation to every other match exactly, that's ever yeah. happened that would be yeah. impossible so but, in in wow. real life terms <laughs> real life yeah, go on. Well, go on. I can't wait to hear this. to wrestling matches in real life. Go on. In, in in real life terms, where we're not all have with Meltzer brain, it was like it was like four and a half, four and three quarters. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fine. I I, I thought the spot where Omega was smashing his head into the table and going through the table. God, that was, that was great. great. That was that was that was the spot of the match, really, for me. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, that was Wrestle Kingdom. From there, we will segue into Show of the Year for 2022. Yeah, uh, a couple of interesting contenders for this one. This time, we will start with Paul. Um. Well, I've I, my list here isn't as big as Match of the Year, obviously, because I've I've not watched as many premium live events this year. Um. But I will say, uh, I thought AEW Revolution was very good. Mm. With the uh, the dog collar match we previously mentioned, the uh, William Regal debut, Danielson Moxley, which was oh, Danielson Moxley should have been on my match list. Sorry about that, folks. That should have been there as well. Um, I thought WrestleMania this year was perfectly competent. Yeah, that um, was good. Uh, maybe skip the old Vince McMahon match, <laughs> but um, perfectly, perfectly good WrestleMania this year. After after the last last few years of watching WrestleMania World Rumble, I feel like we've had a few a few duds, but this year I thought it was perfectly good. Um, I'll give my show of the year though to the 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 bumpy old road leading up to it with injuries and storylines that were a little bit muddled and too much shit going on. And but I thought the 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 pay per view was of a very high quality. That'll be Forbidden Door. My show of the year. Uh, what about you, Joe? Um, I didn't watch that many shows this year because I didn't, the only WWE show I watched was Royal Rumble, uh, and then I watched. Last year's Wrestle Kingdom. Other than that, it's just AEW and Ring of Honor. So I'm not picking from a huge selection. I wouldn't say there were too many standout shows this year. Generally, I thought all the shows I watched were good, but there wasn't one that I went, right. oh my God, that was so good. But um, I'll give honorable mentions to uh, Forbidden Door, as Paul, Paul explained there, and to Revolution as well, which I thought was a great way to kick off the year with the CM Punk MJF and uh, some really good six-man tags, and the Eddie Kingston-Chris Jericho yeah, match, the uh, sublimely good um, match uh, that kicked off that show. Um, Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor, which was the two out of three falls FTR Briscoe's match. Right. Uh, it also had the Wheelie U to Daniel Garcia, the first oh, pure yeah. match on it. Mm. It also had 
uh, Jonathan Gresham throwing his toys out of his pram. Castagnoli, <laughs> just hilarious opening the opening the show. Um, yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, Royal Quest Two Night One, um, which I was at, so I was, well, <laughs> that's why I'll include it. It wasn't like a other than the the FTR match, it, there wasn't anything particularly notable. But it was a, it was a very enjoyable show. I'll give my show of the year to Full Gear. 2022. Um, so that was MJF winning the AEW World Title. Uh, you had Jamie Hater winning the the women's title. You had the Jungle Boy Luchasaurus cage match, uh, and a few other a few other really good matches on there. I thought, okay. it was, thought it was pretty good. Uh, I will also with 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 live bias factored in. I will also go full gear. Um, my not only my first AEW show, but my first time back at the wrestling since COVID, and I, I thought it was it was one of those classic AEW ones. Build wasn't great, you know, little wonky. I was joking with my friends. I was like, "We're going to this show because we decided to go on a holiday, and this was the show it aligned with, not because the card was super compelling." I felt the need to get a transatlantic flight, uh, but as they often do, I mean, they they nailed it on the execution, and I I, I thought that was a really fantastic show. Um, so yeah, enjoyed that a lot. So yeah, that's our uh, show of the year wrapped up. We'll keep going here with another wrestling award before we jump into movies. And that is the worst wrestling thing of the year. Uh, This is obviously very broad, open to interpretation. It could be a spot. It can be a trend. It can be an occurrence. It can be a thing. It can be a person. Although we do have a stupid idiot award, so maybe save people for that. Um, uh, I finished up the last one, so I'll start for this one. I will say the worst wrestling thing of the year for me was, of course, pretty easy answer. It was it was brawl out. It was the the CM Punk uh, AEW fiasco, and and my my reasoning for it. I'm not calling it the worst thing because I'm insulted that someone would disgrace this business by by shooting on his partners and disrespecting the business. <laughs> All these people crying at the prospect of Punk coming back because he just he disrespected the business. I'm calling it the worst thing because it meant Punk left AEW and mm. and during on the run of his career and uh, uh you know on a that had the company itself on a hot streak uh, and it felt like the wheels came off. Uh, on top of all the other AEW's had a horrible year for injuries and people leaving and suspensions and fights and this person doesn't want to come to work and then on top of all that they're like a plus guy. Um, disappearing into the ether. I think it's. I think it's a cloud that still hangs over the company because there's money left on the table. There's great matches and programs left on the table, and I'm. I'm glad at least that there are now murmurs that perhaps um things are defrosting a little bit. And I think there was like one line in the Observer that said Punk is open to working with AEW again, but whether or not that's reciprocated or what conditions will be there, will time will tell. But that's my that's my worst thing of the year. Uh, next, I will throw to Paul. Uh, worst thing of the year. I well, I, I threw out there what I mentioned earlier: Vince McMahon wrestles at WrestleMania, mm. um, and the general apathy around Rampage for the entire year. Yes, that's a great shout. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be, and, and I, I will broaden it out. I, I, I have written down here CM Punk's press conference, but I will broaden that out to the general fucking unrest backstage. I'll include that the um, Andrade situation, mm, yes, and the Eddie Kingston situation. Although that was the one that seemed to be handled 
with some some level yeah. of maturity. Sort of an um, ongoing Miro situation at the moment that we're not super yeah. clear on. Um, although when Vince came back, I saw a lot of jokes saying <laughs> Ben Andrade and Miro showing up to work next week with Vince back at fucking WWE. But it seemed like you know AW was was for a while the the goodwill company. You know, yes, um, it was definitely off the back of fucking WWE is is a weird company full of weirdos who do stuff all weird. And look over here, the grass is greener. And then suddenly you have CM Punk and talk about throwing the toys out of the pram. I think that's exactly what he did there. Um, Andrade with the the dumbest no reason fight with Sammy Guevara over nothing, escalating to physical violence. Um, yeah, lots of can, look. Can people? I know wrestling is the the carniest um, fucking business of idiots. Like, let's be honest. No one who is who is a a an adult professional wrestler is 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 a normal person <laughs> just get that out you know right away but can they just act a little bit normal sometimes and yeah. not be not be all maniacs and and just have have a little bit of professionalism to you and 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 everything will be all right um and that that being so cast into the the uh the uh, the mainstream let's say has has really i think as barry said cast a shadow on aw i think it's the worst thing that happened this year because it's kind of hurt their image a little bit which is yeah bad. yeah uh, like yeah i think you're i think you're spot on i think i think all those issues combined really kind of um i mean you could probably argue it was bullshit all along but it destroyed the idea that it was the sunshine and lollipops promotion where everyone was best buds do you know what i mean yeah um yeah okay what about you joe um a few honourable mentions. I don't. I'd agree. I've got here CM Punk throwing his toys out of his pram, and I would, you know, extend that to what everything you just said. You know the 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 fact that it meant he wasn't there. The fact that it kind of soured things. The elite were gone. You know, it's just. I think him personally. You know, he was he was really fucking out of line and and stupid and overreacted to to what was going on. But also the way it was handled by AEW. Um, yeah, it's not good either and just generally you'd, you'd be naive to think that it was always going to be sunshine and lollipops you know backstage at AEW but it was very discouraging to see how kind of sour it all turned but I think it it seems like they've kind of moved past that at least you know in the last few months there's, there's not any stories coming out a few, you know the usual stuff but you know hopefully they move beyond that um, other th- worst things of the year uh, the Royal Rumble which was <laughs> So bad that I decided not to watch any WWE for the rest of the year, and I, I didn't. I didn't watch a single minute of programming. Um, other honourable mention to this um, array of wrestling podcasters, commentators, kind of hangers-on, people like Jim Cornette, Eric Bischoff, Booker T, Disco Inferno, these people that pop up in my timeline every week saying like, Oh, I think AEW will probably die next week because they, they <laughs> signed a guy from the Indies or something. There's just every week. Maybe it's not even them. It's the people that share their opinions. Oh, the news aggregators like, and stuff. Just yeah. people that like, I, I don't give a fuck what any of those people say. Most of what they say is just arse licking because they want to get back into WWE or they're trying to get clicks or whatever. Like, so sick of that. It's, they're basically like the Fox News or the kind of the right wing news media version, like in wrestling. I'm, I'm sick of seeing it. Um, however, the worst wrestling thing of the year for me is the reaction to 
to the retirement of Vince McMahon. And what I mean by that is all the people that when Vince announced he was retiring came out and said, oh, thank you, Mr. McMahon, you, for everything <laughs> you did for me. And oh, God, you, gee, golly, what a guy. I mean, Vince was always nice to me. So, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I don't know the allegations. Vince never molested me. Oh, I know. I think he's a nice guy, really. But, um, you know, and particularly uh, one Mick Foley who has worked with a sexual abuse charity for many, many years. Yeah, Rain. Coming yeah. out and tweeting, oh, well, thank you for everything, Vince. Like, fuck off, you hypocrite. What a piece of shit. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the accusations against Vince were bad enough, but for me, the reaction was, was the worst thing of the year. Well, let me throw in, a, sorry, one more honorable mention for not not worst thing to happen, but most pathetic um oh my god what are you doing look at the fucking stadium it was um carl anderson and luke gallows on their podcast which i quite enjoyed um giving out about every wrestler who get released and say thank you for my time wwe blah blah, blah. fuck off why are you saying that for wwe blah. and then the moment they got the call mm-hmm. what come back to wwe uh, uh, yes please uh, daddy paul fucking stay in <laughs> All righty. I think I think that's a good spread there of uh, worst wrestling thing. Wrestling, please. <laughs> it's no point even saying try to be better in 2023. It's not going to happen. Let's It'll just move worse. on. It'll be It'll worse. Be worse. <laughs> It'll be worse. Let's, uh, let's jump into our movies. Oh, somebody reviews to us. The year. We've got a lot of stuff here. Whom, whomst amongst us has seen Glass Onion? All right. Let's roll up the old sleeves no. here for a second. Paul's seen it. I've seen it. Joe, have you seen it? Oh, no. I, I would never watch it. Wouldn't that. bother, mate. Wouldn't uh, bother. Rubbish. Shit. Absolute shite. It's like, what if we made Knives Out, but more up our own hole and not as funny? Mm. Uh, that's what I think of the old Ryan Judd. <laughs> that's what I think of him. Uh, two fingers up for your second film, brother. Uh, all right. No, let's talk about it. I, I, I know Paul liked it more than me. Uh, yeah, I, I'll caveat it by saying I like it, but I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with a lot of Barry's so, uh, objective points about the movie. I'll, I'll let you go first. Why don't you, why don't you just talk about it and, and, and tell everyone what you liked about it or right. didn't well, like Knives it. Out, well, sorry, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery is is the sequel to the, the, the fantastic Knives Out, one of, my, one of my favorite little murder mysteries of, uh, of the last while. It's, um, it's, it's very different than the first one um, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, it's, it's obviously... Um, not concerning a family this time, which I think is one of its weaknesses. I liked that the first movie, you know, you had each family member having a reason for maybe having killing the patriarch. This one is just hangers on of this rich uh, oligarch. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was a blast. I thought it was very funny. Uh, I could listen to to Daniel Craig doing his um, Benoit Blanc, uh, uh, I say, I say, Foghorn Leghorn uh, voice uh, just for hours. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and without getting to specifics of the uh, of the plot of the film, I, I would 100% agree it doesn't really hold up to any scrutiny whatsoever. There is a lot of genre tropes that are used uh, either lazily or or ironically, but actually in a way that is lazily. Yeah, um, there's been a in in the conversation around it. There's been a lot of um, there's a bit in the film where Blanc talks about how, oh, this isn't genius. It's stupid. And a lot of the defenses I've seen in the film, you can see it's, it's making a point about how it's stupid. 
And I'm just like, okay, that's stupid. <laughs> like, I take no solace. In, and I think this is actually not even just a glass onion thing. I think you can apply, apply this to see how they run and a lot of other. I'm kind of sick of the modern detective film wanking itself off about how it knows detective films are stupid. I agree. I'm bored agree. of that. I am bored yes. of that. Knives Out walked the line really well, I thought, yeah. you know. I think so too. I think I think you're on the ball with that. I won't, I won't disagree with you on that. I think you can do the knowing irony to it to a point yeah but the, the problem is is that one of the core elements of the glass onion story is so lame that i feel like you can't get away with it mm. we won't get into what that is no no we'll keep we'll keep it there's vague. one reveal during the film that's that's really eye-rolling and and you're like you know of all the wells we could have gone to here We've gone to the shallowest, yeah. least satisfying one. Without without saying it, if if actually that whole first half of the film was a dream, if that's ten, what they actually do is like an eight. Do you know I what I mean? Even, it's, I would even say an eight five. Yeah, an eight five or a nine. It's one of those things where there's, there's unreliable narrator, and then there's kind of it's almost like the it's almost like the wrestling thing where it's like I can forgive the running of the ropes, but if you do some bullshit that's completely preposterous and that makes me when they, when they do that thing in the film which I, yeah. I, I i was kind of bored by the film up to that point already but when they do the thing that we won't say i was just kind of like, i'm okay the so so you're basically it's basically kind of like um i was actually holding my fingers crossed behind my back that whole first half of the film like okay i i don't care about the rest of this film yeah. then you know yeah, look, i think I, I i can argue with that i think that's, yeah. that's totally right i will say though notwithstanding I, I thought it was very funny. It definitely passed the 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 Mark Kermode six laugh test. Six I was laugh, laughing yeah. throughout. I liked pretty much all the performances. I would say generally the standard of performances is, is is again not to the power of the first knives out. Right. But that's also to do with the strength of the cast. Your first one you have your your Michael Shannon, your Tony Collette. Uh, um you have Evans, uh, Evans Lee, uh Curtis, um Plumber, Anna Darmus, you get like a really, a really great cast, but not only a great cast, but really well cast. Like you've Michael Shannon cast against type that actually makes that character work way better than it would have been if it was some weedy dweeb. Yeah, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Here, I thought that everyone was good in it, but it kind of not as cleverly cast or, or not as well done. That's that's, that's that's kind of the thing. It's kind of like I I think the casting was was decent, but I think and again speaking to some of the writing problems, I think it had is like I think some of the characters just like do nothing. It's like the the super smart scientist guy who was kind of presented as kind of like the the, the brains behind the, the the fake basically the fake Tesla in the in the film. He doesn't really do anything. The kind of ditzy, kind of blonde influencer girl, like she kind of stands out early on in the prologue, and then she doesn't really do anything for the rest of the film. There's like, like Big Dave is great in it. Norton is great in it. Monet is great in it. And but I think part of why they're great is they are the three characters that have the most interesting stuff to do, and and everyone else is kind of just the butler the nurse the candlestick maker in the fucking murder <laughs> mystery do you know what i mean they're just yeah. they're just kind of there to pad out the numbers i think a little bit um sure. yeah um and I, i'll say as well it, it's it's a little slow to get going the whole there's a there's a puzzle box thing at the start that doesn't really lead anywhere and takes takes a bit too long to get the movie up and running and also the the last 10 minutes of the film take way too long to get to the yes. point as well yeah um there, there's a bit where you 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 see the uh the little um 
whatever the little vase on the table. You say, "Well, I know that's going to get knocked over at some point, so let's yeah. let's let's get to the point where it gets knocked over." And it takes them ten minutes for that to happen. You're like, "What are we doing here? Let's just wrap it up. This film's already too long." I would say though, generally, throughout, I had a fun time. There's a lot of of glaring problems with it, and I, I unlike films that I feel very strongly about. I look if someone doesn't like this, I I can't. I hold yeah. my hands up and say, look, you're, you're right on all your points. I, I get how that can impact someone's enjoyment. I enjoyed it nevertheless, even though there there's lots of problems with it. It's definitely the inferior um, movie. And I would hope that since Johnson is is doing a third one anyway, because he signed up to do a third one, that he would be a little bit actually smarter about how he does it as opposed to smarmy smart, which is, as Barry said, how this film can come off a little bit. Um, just looking here on our list of films, trying to think what else we may have collectively watched before we all go our our, our separate uh, ways here. Anyone else watch the Guardians Holiday Special? No, no. Okay, I watched it, and I tell you what, I'm over Guardians now. I think James Gunn has lost it. I think he's lost whatever touch he had. I I, it, I know the second one's quite divisive. I know some people who fucking love the second one. The second one to me is where. I was like, okay, whatever, like, nice little balance, interesting thing they had going with the Drax character in the first film is completely gone. In the yeah, they, they did it wrong. In the they com- they completely killed him, and they added Mantis, who is, like, equally as annoying. And I, I, got, I got some heat, brother, for saying this, but I was like, the Guardians holiday special is like, what if we took the two most annoying characters from the whole thing and based it entirely around them? It's basically a Mantis-Drax adventure. Super, super trying. It's like genuinely grating. It's re- it's just that it's th- those two characters' humor from the second film carrying a forty-minute special. Uh, the the plot is about trying to kidnap Kevin Bacon, and it's literally just a Kevin Bacon meme fucking shit from fifteen years ago. Um, uh, there's a couple of bits and pieces that are right. The the whole cast is in there, but in sporadic roles, kind of feels like they had Chris Pratt for like a day, <laughs> you know, to literally just be in it for a little bit. Uh, I didn't really like it at all, unfortunately. Um, uh, you know, they had Cosmo in there, who's a cool character. I I enjoyed Cosmo in in the game, the Guardians game from a year or two ago. Um, but. Yeah, and this was written and directed by James. James Gunn made this. This was not some kind of handed off to some loser um, at Disney to to fart out a, a forty minute special. Like this was the guy who made the first one making another one, um, and I was very disappointed by it. Um, I don't think there's anything. Else. We don't have too many other new releases on here. I rewatched Avatar one uh, for the first time since I haven't rewatched it since I saw it in the cinema in two thousand nine, and I remember coming out of it thinking that was all right. And then I watched it on Disney. Uh, um, uh, Disney, like the fucking Avatar, the see it on the biggest, see it on a 700 foot screen with your glasses on and your high frame rate. Disney Plus doesn't have it in 4K. All right, Mr. Cameron. Okay, my, my viewing experience was ruined because I had to watch it in 1080p like a poor person. Okay. <laughs> Um, MJF. Yeah, I had me me and the poor is, is peering in the window of Curry's watching Avatar in in 1080p. Um, I, I I act like I care. I didn't care enough to fucking oh oh let's turn this off and I'll jump on Amazon and buy the 4K. I'm not doing that shit. I can tell you. Um, but yeah, in 2009 I left thinking yeah, that was all right, and then 2022 I left there thinking yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Um, I I. I, I don't want to be one of those people who rallies against it for whatever reason. There's a weird fucking culture war about this film. 
but I, I, I don't have much of a take about it. I think it's overly long, and I think it's overly saccharine, but I think it's well made, and I think it looks really well still. Um, and yeah, I think it's all right. I think it's, I think it's just very funny and odd that it is the most financially successful film ever, and that. Jay, I I said this on stream recently, and I stand by it. The fact that all the great things James Cameron has done in his career, and he is a legend, and he is one of the greatest filmmakers ever, I would say. The fact that he has committed the seemingly the remaining years of his life to making these films specifically is a bit like if Sam Raimi said, "Uh, lads, for until I kick the bucket. I'm just going to put my head down and I'm just going to make drag me to hell films. I'm just going, I'm, I'm going to make three more drag me to hells. They're going to take 10 years. And you look at it and go, well, drag me to hell is not, not bad. I, I like, it's all right. I like drag me to hell, but you, you, remember, remember when you made Spider-Man and, and evil dead and all those cool things. I want to go to James, uh, Jim, Jimbo, Jim, Jim, pal. You know, you made Terminator. You know you made Terminator. It's like if Martin Scorsese did a, a Hugo universe. <laughs> yeah, it's like and he did eight movies about a little boy who lives in a railway station. I'm like, mate, you, you, you know, you made like some really cool stuff that you could do f- until you die. It's like, no, it has to be Avatar. It has, I have to make Avatar now. Obviously, it's I, I imagine part of it, but I was not actually. I was about to say imagine. I imagine part of the decision is the money. But in, you read it; he seems legitimately to think this is the greatest thing in the world. He thinks this is the greatest sci-fi world he's ever made. I, I just don't get it, and and there, there has been a kind of a resurgence in the last couple of years of like film bros defending Avatar as the last great blockbuster and the last great fusion of real cinema and blockbuster. I, I, just, I just don't get it. I just do not get it at all. I think it's a perfectly nice little film. Um, but I'm I'm going tomorrow to see the sequel, and I guess I'll maybe I'll be wowed. Um, <laughs> well, let me say, I watch Avatar as well over Christmas. Both of them. Go on, yeah. So this, on, this, on this is what I was going to say to you. Days. Give me, give, I, give me I, I slightly disagree with your take on the first one. I think it's better than you give it credit for. Okay, well, that's fair enough. It's my third viewing. I watched the uh, extended Blu-ray edition as well. I think I, for someone who was definitely on the bandwagon a little bit of. Who fucking remembers Avatar? What name me three of the characters from Avatar? I probably would still struggle to name me three characters, to be honest. But watching it again, I was surprised by how efficient the the kind of storytelling was. Yeah, it's kind of derivative. It's Pocahontas. It's Fern Gully. Blah blah blah. I mean, it is. But yet, I found that it kind of it's it's long, but it's still snappy enough. Um, I, I liked, especially in the very beginning, where you you immediately get the Jake Sully motivations and so on and so forth a lot of avatar doesn't really hold up to scrutiny when you when you really think about it but i think it's a a, a decent little story uh i think the the cgi holds up really well as well yes totally um, like it was made 13 years ago 14 now that we're crossing 2023 um and it like cgi quality looks like modern cgi which is kind of what the appeal of it was it was that it was kind of ahead of its time in a sense technologically speaking and obviously, the ticket sales were were buoyed by the uh, 3D prices. Um, and now we have Avatar 2, which I feel like has the same appeal in that the technology used, it looks like what's, what CGI is going to look like in five, six years' time, which makes it all the more baffling that he's made three, four, five all in a row now 
that presumably it's not going to be 10 years to Avatar 3. Presumably, so yeah. The appeal will kind of wear off very quickly when we're like, well, yeah, this just looks like the previous one now. It's not It's not that you're wowed by how crazy it looks, you know? Um, but no, I, I, I quite enjoyed um, Avatar. Um, again, performances I, I think are pretty good. I like the uh, the world building. I think the world building is really strong in it, in fact. Um and uh, yeah, I was I, I I was kind of you know before I watched it, I was probably kind of in in your same line of thinking, Barry. But then when I rewatched it, I was actually surprised that actually I, I quite enjoyed it. Now, if you thought Avatar One was overly long, and if you thought <laughs> Avatar One was over overly saccharine, ooh, baby, are you in for a treat tomorrow? Because oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> Avatar: Way of Water is is amazing looking. And I'll, I'll definitely give it that. It's it's the same feeling, uh, like I said, of Avatar One, CGI wise being being seven eight years ahead of the rest. Like it is, it is insane looking. Uh, the plot is complete nonsense. Uh, it's it moves incredibly slowly. It is maybe the most saccharine movie I've ever watched. Um. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised that this was the model he went with for these movies. I thought because you're going to lose the novelty of the CGI and yeah. 3D now, we're 15 years past 3D meaning anything, you know. Uh, I thought, okay, because those things are going to lose their the, the fanciness, you're going to have more of an emphasis on, okay, we need to do something more unique with the story, right? not at all wanking to cgi for three hours oh yeah that's what it is so enjoy it you, you probably won't you're probably <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will say i am i'm not seeing it in imax and i'm not seeing it in 3d okay i did see the 3d version and the 3d was great and it looked great don't get me wrong but i mean if you agreed with me that the last 15 minutes of glass onion was like looking at your watch going right are we gonna are we going to do the thing? Uh, Avatar is three hours of that. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Now, I'll, I'll now, report back. Maybe I'll love it. To give know. it to give some positive, the, the last act is James is really high-level James Cameron, like, action, and it's great. But the two hours preceding that, you're like, because the, the, the story is so, it's like light almost. There's, there's almost very little plot. And the plot that there is, again... Like we've said, it doesn't really hold up to screening when you think about, like, why would they actually do that? So watch the movie and then just go along with it for the ride. But then when yeah. you come out afterwards, think about the character motivations and how they actually, none of them work. Um, uh, and one thing that James Cameron does as well, not to spoil it, but James Cameron loves, he's, he's, he's in this world of endless imagination and unique possibilities. And he has this new water culture uh will we come up with something no just copy and paste samoan culture on them that'll do they're just Samoan, right. and that felt super lazy to me but it was okay it was okay but it's it's i wouldn't even say it's boring i've seen a lot of people say it's boring i don't think it's boring it's just slow and it's like the, the underwater scenes are like they're really great looking but like how many how many scenes of they swim around with the magic dolphin can you take realistically <laughs> you're like all right fucking come on so yeah i think i went like a three star on it maybe maybe over time i'll come down like with avatar one you know rewatched it enjoyed it more 
I don't know that I could ever rewatch Avatar 2 in my life. I don't know if I could ever sit down and just stick it on. It's not that kind of movie, <laughs> especially at home. Like, watch it on the big cinema screen. You might get something out of it that yeah. way. But, like, to watch it again for the story, I don't think so. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll have a follow-up <laughs> take on Enjoy that. your trip tomorrow. No, I can't wait. I really can't wait. I, I, was already, I was already kind of going to see it because it's the thing to see at the moment, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'll report. There's back. some good stuff. There's some. There, there's a handful of characters that I enjoyed, but overall, it's 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 also story wise, it's not it's not reinventing the wheel. There's a lot of other derivative stuff in there that we've seen a million times. Um, other movies I've seen this week. Uh, I saw this is a, a random kind of scrolling Disney Plus board. Not sure what to watch. Pull. We watched Matriarch, which is a um uh, a British film, mm-hmm. British horror film. It is uh an extremely depressing, grimy, miserable film about a lady who uh, has a number of addiction issues. Uh, she lives in sort of unspecific metropolitan British city basically london she got a, a lot of drug issues and she goes home to unspecific um um hot fuzz-esque tidy towns in the british countryside to, to reunite with her estranged mother to try and detox and shit is weird in the little the little town there, there's uh some some i mean i don't even think it's 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 really obvious early on so i'll just i'll just kind of say it there's some kind of uh, uh, they ain't going to the Church of England on Sunday to say their prayers in this little mm. town um, uh, and things go sideways there. I don't think it quite sticks the landing, but I think it was an easy, if you're looking for a, a, a kind of nice middle of the road, like three, three and a half star horror movie on, on Disney, it's it's there and it's fun. It's got an interesting cast, um, a whole bunch of oh, it's them moments. Uh, I believe it, I believe the mom from the Vavich uh, mm. is is the mother in, in this. She's great. Uh, it's good. It's 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 good, not great, but I think it's worth a watch. It's kind of um, it's 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 bizarre. Like I say, it's 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 kind of it has a vibe of like a less directed by a less good Ari Aster is kind of the vibe I got off the film. It's really tense and grimy and stress inducing, um, uh, but it doesn't quite hit the highs of a of a midsummer. Mm. But yeah, worth worth the watch. Worth the watch. And that's on Disney Plus. Uh, another one of those was I had never fucking heard of this film in my life. Another way, like things just get dumped onto these services. I don't know if that was ever in cinemas. I don't know if it was an exclusive. I have no clue. It's on there anyway. That was at Matriarch. And the other thing I watched, which is the HBO Max job, I believe we just have to we just have to pirate it over here if you want to watch it, was uh, This Place Rules, which is the um, sort of like a feature adaptation of uh, of Channel 5, which is a popular YouTube channel. Uh, A24 worked on this as well, which is a little bit weird. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, anyone who doesn't hasn't seen or heard of the YouTube channel, it's basically a, a youngster in his early 20s named Andrew Callahan. He kind of basically just bought an RV and he does one of those YouTube channels where he goes to music festivals or Trump rallies or convention centers full of weirdos and just does like Vox Pops, just interviews people, you know, here and, and is very, doesn't ask, doesn't say or do a whole lot in his videos. It's pretty much just, he goes and just talks to the weirdest people uh, possible. And, and like so many other content creators in that ilk in the last couple of years, he's really trafficked in a lot of, I went to a Trump rally and I saw, the weirdest Q people in the world who scream and shout and 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 shit themselves because <laughs> the Chinese are coming to get them and stick them full of vaccines. Oh, you know, you know that kind of stuff. Uh, so basically, he uh, you know kind of 
parlayed that that style of YouTube content into a a sort of eighty minute documentary. And basically, as someone who attended like the Million MAGA march and various other high profile events leading up to the January sixth uh, uh, insurrection, and then you know uh, filmed a bunch of stuff there as well. It's basically uh, uh, all about. Um, the days leading up to that and it's pretty good it's it's got it's got a little bit of kind of louis through to it kind of just going there as a just a relatively kind of normal person and just interviewing these completely outlandish uh, uh weirdos i mean he he manages to find the intro to the film which i won't spoil he manages to find the biggest most stereotypical freaks in florida that you can find <laughs> like it's unbelievable some of the weirdos he's been and they're not even that, that's before he even gets into the like they're like he doesn't even find these people at a trump rally he just finds the weirdest people possible to interview um it's good you're not gonna get any kind of grand revelation from it it's you you know what this is you it, you know like i said it is kind of just a it's kind of like it's kind of like what Borat was to the Borat segments of the Ali G show back in the day. You, it, it's that, but kind of supersized a little bit. Um, uh, it's a bit earnest in places. He actually sat down and interviewed Alex Jones and was on Alex Jones's show. This is obviously pre, um, uh, pre, you know, bankruptcy filing and stuff like that. Um, you know, so it's 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 worth a watch. It is only it's less than ninety minutes. Um, I think that's probably good because some of the people he's interviewing, it's kind of like, I think it'd be actually kind of draining if the thing went on too long because everyone's at an 11 at all times when, that he's speaking to. Uh, but yeah, it was good. It was a good watch. Again, you're not going to learn a whole lot from it, but it's 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 a good it's a good kind of freak show documentary, really. Uh, yeah, This Place Rules, that's called. If you're in the States, that's on HBO. Uh, and I think as I look at the rundown, I think that's it. Yeah, so that's all I've watched uh, uh, this week. Uh, Avatar 2 follow-up next week. Uh, Joe, what have you watched this week? A um, few, few different things. I've watched a lot of movies recently because of the stuff stuck at home. Yeah. Um, watched, uh, believe it or not, I watched Deadpool 2 and the Fantastic Four. Okay. So the most, the most recent Fantastic Four. I was going to ask, okay, the Miles Teller? Miles Teller. Um, What's her face? Uh, uh, Jamie, what's that Jamie Bell. What's that girl's uh, name? Root, Mar- Kate Mara. Kate Mara. That was it. Yeah. And, oh, and of course, um, uh, Michael B. Name? Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. It, uh, honestly, I, I saw the Fantastic Four. It wasn't as bad as I was expecting, because this is okay. honestly like an awful, everyone buried this film. I didn't think it was as bad as like some of the other superhero films that have been out, on it, quite honestly. Um, I'd say I, it was probably better than Love and Thunder. Like, okay okay it wasn't like it was bad but it wasn't like so offensively bad compared to a lot of these other films um there's actually some quite like interesting stuff and you can see where uh is it josh trank i think that's his name the, the director yeah um yeah he was trying to do a lot of this kind of like very weird like body horror transformation stuff like from the fly and and cronenberg and things like that and you can see some of that still in the film and it's very kind of you know strange for this type of film and that's kind of interesting then it just abandons that and goes into like 40 minutes of bad reshoots um Mm. when when nothing really happens the the whole you know premise of this type of film is you get to see the superheroes doing their superpowers that's every superhero film that is the premise that's what you pay to see right you you pay to see spider-man swinging around or superman flying or batman fucking wearing black leather and 
doing whatever he does. You don't get to see them doing anything. They don't do it, use their powers. They don't save the planet or anything. It's 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 just felt like all build up with no real kind of payoff. Um, the characters are pretty bad. The acting's pretty bad. The plot's not great. But I f- I would love to have seen. I'm not saying like release the trunk cut or anything, but <laughs> I would actually like to have seen that original movie because that it could have been a flop, but because it was too weird or too sort of yeah mainstream rather than it being just a bad movie. Um, yeah, it's 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 rep now is kind of as a shit, but there was a little bit of talk at the time that oh no, it actually wasn't that bad, but they mm-hmm. it, they had to reshoot ten million things, and the studio didn't like X Y Z, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows? Um, but yeah, not not as bad as I was expecting, and Deadpool two was as bad as I was expecting. <laughs> it's it's funny having watched the uh, the Wrexham documentary on Disney Plus because you realise that Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. He's just being Ryan Reynolds. He's yeah. constantly snarky, sarcastic, glib. Oh, Ryan Reynolds, oh, what are we doing now? <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck <laughs> off, you unfunny cunt. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't particularly enjoy it, in all honesty. I okay, fair enough. Would I watch a third one if Hugh Jackman's in it? Probably, because I'm a mark. and I will keep giving them my money uh, to watch this stuff. But uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy that at all. Um, yeah, I like Deadpool too. Yeah. I think I I feel like the Deadpool movies are kind are they're a weird kind of exception that proves the rule. Like I I don't like Ryan Reynolds, and I also generally don't like that fourth wall. They finally gave me a movie. Shit, I like I generally don't like that. But for for whatever reason, and I also I've read a lot of Deadpool comics lately, and they're not they're kind of annoying as well. They're that exact tone, and I don't. But whatever, it's something about those movies. I I can't quite figure out what it is but i like them both it's there's a kind of an intangible i think me again i think it maybe it's just because every other comic book film is so fucking bleh, you know what i mean that this yeah. one i i kind of appreciate maybe that's it but i don't know yeah um, there, there yeah entertaining funny moments some entertaining moments in it but i think it was just grating for you know two hours of it i just couldn't bleh. Um, so it was that I, I accidentally did a, a Boston movie marathon where I watched movies oh, yeah. in Boston all of this week. Um, so I watched a uh, spotlight a favorite of mine. I've seen 20 mm. times now. Great mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Um, and then the day after I happened to watch the departed, um, oh, excellent. Wonderful Boston movie, which is fantastic. Um, uh, Michelle went to me like, did you watch? Cause I watched, she was back at work this week. So I was just sat in the other room watching movies by myself. And she came in and she was like, what, you watched the whole of The Departed? And I was like, what do you think? Yeah, of course I watched the whole of The Departed. She was like, oh, it's so long. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, come on. It's such a guy movie. Like, I don't think, <laughs> I don't have many women enjoy The Departed. It's such a wonky movie. Yeah. Um, but very good. But then I, I decided to watch Goodwill Hunting, which is still very good. Uh, I watched The Social Network. Oh, nice. It was a movie I really enjoyed the first time around. I didn't enjoy it as much this time around because I just found everyone in it to be completely unbearable. Yeah. And I, I just couldn't stand any of them. And I don't know if that's because I've been working in that kind of industry since I last saw the film. And it just makes me think of all the cunts, basically, that I've had to work with over the last five years. Um, but yeah, I could, I, it was very hard to get through. Um, and also, it's a lot of like Aaron Sorkin kind of tropes as well. Yeah. Like, the people going off on these like little speeches and oh, 
fuck off. I think it might be a perfect storm of like just cringing, like not because it's cringing because it's bad, but just I think fucking what's his face Zuckerberg with that that actor's name. Fucking Eisenberg. Yeah, I think he's like too good at being the most annoying prick in the world and your wanky Sorkin dialogue. Yeah, I really want to revisit that film because I'd say it's probably fascinating now, but Mm. there is that aura about it that kind of puts me off a little bit. Yeah, it's also the whole thing with Facebook of I think when I watched it previously, Facebook was still this kind of slightly interesting company kind of on the rise, whereas now it's, it's, we all know what it is, it's a fucking cancer on the planet. Yeah. Um, I'd actually love a sequel. I don't don't imagine he's any interest in doing one, but I would, yeah. (laughs) The social metaverse. Oh, God. so that was that was good, and then I watched on Friday. I watched The Town, the uh, Ben Affleck directed movie. I hadn't seen that before, so it's a new one for me. Um, have you have you guys ever seen The Town? Yeah, yeah. With it? Okay. Well, if you haven't seen The Town, um, think of the movie Heat by Michael Mann, mm. and then set it in Boston. Okay, because uh, that's what Ben Affleck did when he <laughs> when he wrote this and directed this movie. Um, except he put himself in the Robert De Niro role because he was like, yes, I should be the sexy, badass, interesting man in this movie. That's where Michael Mann went wrong. That's where um, he went wrong. Michael Mann should have put himself in that role, obviously. Um, yeah, it wasn't bad, um, but it, it it did smack of like, oh, Ben Affleck wants to play like a badass, hmm. really smart bank robber. Um, <laughs> some of the scenes are just him like shagging hot women or just... <laughs> Being really cool and beating people up and stuff. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it, it was entertaining enough. I wouldn't go out of my way to recommend it, though. Uh, and then finally, yesterday we watched The Menu, which is a, mm. a you know zeitgeisty film that's been blowing up all over all over Twitter. Um, Ray Fiennes plays a chef, and then it turns into a horror movie or something. I don't know. I, I, I didn't, it was fine. It was kind of entertaining, but there wasn't really much to it for me. It was very lacking in any kind of substance or message. I just thought it was sort of a very, it was a big a clear gimmick to it, but it, I don't think it really went anywhere. So I don't know. It's on Disney plus. So watch it, yeah. watch it if you want, but yeah, couldn't recommend it. Uh, that's all my movies. So. Alrighty. Paul, what are you watching this week? Other than spending 12 hours watching Avatar. Uh, I watched another monumental uh, CGI landmark film. Uh, I watched Batman Forever. Oh hell yeah! On on 4K Blu-ray. Oh hey, I bet I bet that genuinely looked good. Don't don't hurt me now. Don't tell me that I Batman Forever was like my first favorite film as a kid, and I haven't had the heart to revisit it in the last like 15 years because I just don't know. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to know what I know in my heart to be true. But tell me about it. Tell me about it. So, so I think actually, Batman and Robin is going to be would, would be the better looking movie because I think that's where Sh- Schumacher really went all out with. Yeah, every everything is neon and da da da. But it still is. Yeah, it, it looked good. Um, I think it's, it's it's it was still it was still fun. I think it held up as a, as a fun. It's I think it's Batman Forever is definitely. I would even say more so than Batman and Robin. I think it's the closest in tone uh, a, a post-89 Batman movie has come to like the Adam West mm. Batman. It's very of that feeling. Like the first the first line of the movie is, is so it starts with Batman walking through the Batcave, going to the Batmobile, and Michael Goff's um Alfred. Will you be taking a sandwich, sir? <laughs> and, he's, and, and he says, I'll get, I'll get drive through. 
Oh. Which is is that literally the first That's time? Great, Joe! Don't fucking put your head in your hands. It's great. So so immediately you're like, okay, we're not <laughs> we're not we're not Tim Burton's Batman anymore. We're doing we're doing <sighs> like comedy. Um, Jim Carrey is is far and away the best thing in it. He's he's okay. You maybe some people can give, leave or take Carrey, but he's like he's like trying trying. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he's he's on. He's at a hundred throughout. It's peak Carey. Uh, it's ninety six Carey, ninety four Carey, or whatever. He's he's very funny in it. Tommy Lee Jones, I still feel like is such a weird casting for that character, given that we know how deadly serious he is. Especially because like like they kind of they should have had him be like like they should have had him be a straight man. Instead, they kind of have him being like just a couple he's, of notches below yeah, Carey, but goes, still being. Like, ah, oh, yo! I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip this coin, and maybe I'll be a bit crazy, or I'll be really crazy. Hmm. Like yeah, he's exactly, doing that, exactly. and it's like, eh, you've already got Jim Carrey doing that, yeah. you know. Although I love that they don't spend half an hour setting up how he became Two Face. You just see ten seconds of footage. Yeah, from it's like on the news. Yeah. And of course, the other day, Two Face was created. Anyway, here's the weather. <laughs> exactly. Um. I forgot Robin was in it until he shows mm. up at one point. I was like, oh yeah, the circus thing. Yeah, Robin. Um, I think Val Kilmer is is really dry as Batman, actually. Extremely. Yeah. Um he's he's fine. But and then thinking about it, I'm thinking, well, kind of all the all the Batman are are kind of dry. You know, Clooney was a bit more camp, but you know, you're Keaton, you're Bale, you're Affleck, you're Pattinson. They're all they all kind of play it a little bit dry. Uh, but no, it, it was it was it was perfectly good fun. It obviously a lot of elements of it don't exactly hold up or come off as, as really kind of corny. But yeah. you know, I, I I think it's still, I think if you have a lot of nostalgia for it, you can still watch it and, and get a good fun time out of it. Um, And yeah, that's, that's all. That's all I have to review. Alrighty. I uh, know what well, you've got a lot of X-Men films listed here. I didn't watch them. I don't know who watched those. Oh, it might be mine. Oh, Joe <laughs> talked about those actually before before our break, actually. Yeah, they must have been left over. My bad. Alrighty. Anyway, on the movie subject, we will talk about our movie of the year for 2022. Uh, let's stick with Paul. Yeah, a lot of good movies this year. I think this was generally a good movie year. Um, I mean, granted, I just watched Avatar 2 and Glass Onion this week, and neither of them cracked my honorary honorary mentions um now i did tweet yesterday my favorite movies and i was surprised that even myself to be like oh that was that really my top four but like honorary mentions there was some great stuff out there for people who, who would go digging for it stuff like stuff like worst person in the world stuff mm. like flea licorice pizza uh nightmare alley which i thought was a return to form for del toro um the batman which i know I really enjoyed. I, I I would agree that the third act isn't isn't uh, isn't great, but uh, I generally thoroughly enjoyed that. I know some people aren't, aren't as hot on it. Uh, Jackass Forever, some of the most fun I've had in the cinema mm. um, since that time I got kicked off, kicked out for wanking. Tough <laughs> 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 um, Gun Maverick, equally just fucking tremendous. Uh, but I think the best movie I saw this year was probably Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Oh, oh I'm Elvis. I'm all shaking my hips. And uh, Austin Butler, if he doesn't get Oscar nominated or even an Oscar win, I'll be absolutely shocked. I thought Elvis was uh, was great. It was all the excess I love about Baz Luhrmann and his movies. He, he's he's kind of of a similar ilk to uh, to Schumacher, I think, in that his his movies are all about visual 
extravagance and neon lights and whooshing camera and Elvis. Elvis is doing his thing and people are like, ah, going, ah, love it. Alrighty. Uh, Joe, what was your best film of the year? Um, not too many choices for me. I, I, I think I still need to catch up on a few, but I honorable mentions to everything everywhere all at once, which is very enjoyable. Uh, living with Bill Nighy, which is a very, very nice little film. Uh, After Sun, which we saw recently, uh, which is a haunting film we've been um, referencing ever since. It's just one that gets under your skin. I'd definitely check that out if if people still haven't seen it. Um, But I'm going to give it to, and I wouldn't have thought this at the start of the year, but I'm going to give it to Top Gun Maverick because it was just so much fun and it was a proper blockbuster. And it, it was a movie about real people, not giant purple space hippos that want to blow up the planet with a laser. It was like, you know, humans um, and great stunts and great action. It was funny and it had a proper script and it was just directed like a movie should be directed. And, you know, it seems like a low bar that you just have a really good blockbuster, but it all came together and really delivered. So well done, Tom Cruise. Well done, Tom. You brought it back. You brought cinema back. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I would also include uh, Top Gun in my honorable mentions, along with uh, The Quiet Girl and Jackass and X and Pearl and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, but my number one, I would go for The Banshees of Inishirin. I gotta watch that. I want to jump on a rewatch of that on the old Disney soon. Um oh. Kind of a film you kind of want to be in a mood to watch, uh, but it is phenomenal. Probably the best performance of Colin Farrell's career uh, and a breakout performance from Mr. Barry Keown uh, as well. Love it. Yeah. A lot of great things have been said about that film lately. I will I will throw an award on it to boot. They'll be loving that. The lads will be loving that. Mr. McDonough will be loving that. They'll be got number one from me. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll squeeze in another award here before we jump into TV. We'll go back to wrestling briefly and we will do moment of the year. This can be any individual moment at all that you want to talk about, that you want to highlight as the moment of the year. For me, uh, I'll keep it pretty quick. I will say CM Punk's entrance at Revolution. The uh, ah, yes. the old AFI song, the the gear. It was, I mean, that 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 feud was all just a beautiful bit of uh, of nostalgia and hearkening back and and callbacks and and all this other stuff. It was just pure dis- distilled fan service for 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 the old boys, the hardcores, and I I, I lapped it up like a little piggy. Um, so yeah, great moment. That is my moment of the year. What about you, Paul? I have some good. I have some good ones here. I think there's, it's been a good year for moments, individual moments. So mm. I have on my honorable mentions, Eddie Kingston with the gas can. Yes. I have uh, Logan Paul's frog splash selfie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, from was from Crown, Crown Jewel, Jewel. I think that was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have CM Punk's promo with MJF. The uh, Daily Space. The MJF side of it, where he talked about his past. Uh, some, two, there's more than one promo I could throw in there, but specifically mm-hmm. that one. But my moment of the year is is not CM Punk's entrance from from uh, that show. Okay, it, it is an entrance from a show, and it is the lights go out. Boom, boom. Wrestling has more than one. <laughs> 
it's it's the return after many year away of Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. Um, fair enough, we're AW fans here, but I don't think any moment that I saw this year felt bigger and more important than that to me. Um, so good for good for Cody, and he had a hell of a match after that, and then he had a hell of a match where his titty titty had exploded. Yes, um, but him coming out of WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, even as someone who's an AW fan and not so much a WWE fan, that was that was the biggest moment for me this year. All right, Joe. Um, got a few honorable mentions. Uh, I agree with Punk's Ring of Honor um, inspired entrance. Uh, I would add Ricky Stark's babyface promo um, from a few ah, weeks yes. ago. Oh yeah, he really gave it both barrels to MJF. That was fantastic. Uh, Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor. That was uh, oh yeah. Ex- exciting uh, kind of development that maybe didn't pay off, but at the time, very interesting. Um, Wardlow, in, in in the same match with the Ring of Honor entrance, Wardlow handing the Dynamite Diamond Ring to CM Punk to knock out MJF with the, oops, I had it all along. Uh-oh. Yeah, that was um, great. Really, really good. Um, <laughs> uh <laughs> Just reading one of my notes, making me laugh. Um, the another honourable mention to the crowd um, turning on swerving our glory uh, all out during the match oh, with um, yeah. the match with the acclaimed, where they could just sense that they, you know, the acclaimed might not win it, and they were just so <laughs> desperate to see them win it, they started turning on the match, on the swerving our glory, on everyone. That was wrestling at its finest when when you got a crowd that kind of feverish for something to happen mm. that was brilliant uh the return of mjf i thought was a great moment because i just so badly wanted mjf to come back and i thought i didn't like all the ladder match stuff but i thought the ending of that show with him the mask and the sympathy sympathy for the devil and everything was good um the the moment that's secretly my moment of the year but i can't give it the moment of the year is um <laughs> You gotta go with your heart, though, Joe. No, no, I can't technically give it, but David Dave Meltzer suggesting that should MJF no show the pay per view match with Wardlow, that Tony Khan should attempt to bring in Goldberg, (laughs) (laughs) or failing that, uh, strap up Wardlow with the AEW World Championship. (laughs) That is my. Second very close runner-up moment of the oh. year. Um, but I've got to give a moment of the year too when I was sat at my mum's house flicking through Twitter and I saw Vince McMahon tweet that he was deciding to retire. <laughs> that was the moment of the year. Yeah. Uh, and I know obviously this year has flipped that around, but at the time that was staggering because no one ever thought Vince would actually go. And yeah, he kind of did. So that's my moment of the year. Very good. I have one more honorable mention, by the way. It was it was from WWE SmackDown, and it was Sami Zayn and uh, one of the Usos going back and forth. And Sami Zayn says, I, I don't think that's what the Tribal Chief wants. And uh, it was a Jey Uso goes, I don't give a damn what the Tribal Chief wants. And it hard cuts to Roman Reigns just giving a whoosh, head up, look directly into the camera, perfectly shot, perfect reaction. Uh, really well done. Um, great. Alrighty. Uh, we will move on to television uh, for this oh, week. Yeah. Uh, I watched a lot of telly over the break. Um, mm. We made good use of our time. I'm up to episode 10 of Andor. 
I don't know why, but I'm I'm watching like one a week as, as if as it aired. I didn't yeah. start watching it when it was on, so I could just binge it. But I don't know. I'm kind of liking breaking it up. Yeah, uh, it's okay. it's it's really good. I, I I don't have too much to say about it. I I, I feel like maybe I have, I'm not loving it as much as as perhaps it's been built up, but. It is quite good, and and as I said like before our break, it's a nice, refreshing change of pace for a Star Wars show. Um, it's stylish, it's well-written, it's doing its own thing, it's not getting caught up in a lot of other shite. Uh, it's just really well-made. Uh, Paul, you've been watching it as well? Yeah, I'm up to episode 7, so I'm a few behind you. But uh, yeah, I'm, I feel pretty much the same. I'm, I'm not exactly getting the full blast of the, the hype, and yet it's definitely a step ahead of the typical Star Wars gunk that we yeah. get. It feels like one thing, one fear I had going in was that they were going to kind of retcon his character almost to be more of a, a good hearted, golden hearted protagonist. And I like that a lot of the characters in it are kind of, I don't say murkier, but they, they, they're more kind of realistic in a sense. They, they, they each have their own motivations and, and, reasons for for acting the way they do yeah as opposed to these are the good guys and these are, these are the bad guys it's not it's not necessarily vince resource shades of gray and yeah it feels like a a, a well implemented version of that i guess yeah um so, which kind of makes it more unpredictable in a sense which which i do enjoy there are parts of it that feel certainly in the set design stuff like that that feels very mandalorian and stuff like that but yeah i feel like the writing is the one thing that kind of distinguishes it and i think they've done a good job of that and the performances are generally good as well um so yeah i just finished the the episode where the event that it had been building to so obviously then we have then we're gonna have the fallout of that yeah. event so i'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out but yeah there's there's like fucking people dying and people shooting people that you don't expect they're gonna be there's, there's a lot of stuff in it that that you don't expect from a typical star wars show where the heroes are the heroes and, and the villains are the villains and i appreciate that element of it, it feels a bit more grown up feels a bit more like a real tv show and not just uh captain soldier and the winter man or whatever you know <laughs> shit that disney put out this actually it's not like oh this is the one this is this is the succession of the star wars world it's not that it's but it's 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 certainly watchable it's certainly not i'm not rolling my eyes every time andor goes i don't know if you realize this right that over there is uh, Dengar from the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Dengar? And there's like none of that. I couldn't. Seven episodes in, I don't really even remember six episodes I watched. If there's been a kind of reference to the Star Wars movies, there's, there's there hasn't felt like there's been anything. Obviously, there's like whatever Tie Fighters or something we'd expect they'd have those, but there's no there's no like. Well, we gotta fit. Uh, BB-8's backstory here, and, and have yeah. a, and he comes along. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing like that. There's no. There's no background characters who are who are. It's literally free. just Andor. It's just. He's him. like no fan service. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels very not fan servicey, which I appreciate. And I like how I think I've seen like one stormtrooper in the back of one shot. It's like even when they're having like what are essentially imperial arseholes roll through a town, they've kind of they've played into this idea of of it being like corpos, like you know corporations have their own private security forces and when a corporation runs a planet they're secure so it's kind of you know and that's nice because like okay it's not more fucking stormtroopers it's not more tuscan raiders they've at least given us a new baddie to run away from do you know what i mean so you're not looking at the same fucking thing you've been looking at for 40 years yeah yeah and i really like uh both uh the, there's the the 
I guess the main antagonist. He looks like a young Kyle McLaughlin from Twin Yes, Man. yes, yeah, totally. He's great. And then his little buddy who was from EastEnders and also who's in the Batman. Yes, yes. The Scottish guy. He's Trevor. great as well. Trevor. Um yeah, performances, I gotta say, it's pretty, pretty strong across the board. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying what, it, but what, not to a point where I'm binging it either. Like what a comeback for that guy, by the way. <laughs> Him and uh uh the other top star of the year was the guy who plays Richie in the Bear, because he's also in this. He's in Andor as well. He's right. um the sort of distrusting member of the Rebel Game. You haven't seen the Bear yet, Paul, have you? No, no, no. No, no. But anyway, add that to the add that to the owl list because he's he's great in that show and he's great in Andor. Um uh, taking taking cue from a 2022 uh, and I suppose 2021 Paul recommendation, I, I we started the White Lotus, um, uh, in this household. Um, I resubscribed to now in preparation for the Last of Us show, and I was like, all right, what what's on here that I have not seen? And White Lotus was there, and we powered through that, baby. We we watched uh, all of season one in two in two evenings. Uh, really great stuff. I mean, a very easy watch. Great cast. Great, great, great cast. I, I would say easily the best uh, performance out of uh, Alexandra Daddario I've seen uh, of her various roles so far. I thought she was really great in it. Just really good. I think it was it was intriguing and it was funny and it was um, uh, stylish without being kind of obnoxious. I think it was a very breezy watch. Just very well Love made. The music, the music, the, the music is great. The the it's it's, it's top notch. It's really top notch stuff. Yeah. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that, and we've watched one episode of season two and enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, we have yeah. to get back to that. Uh, not as kind of compelled straight away uh, by the cast no. of characters, but uh, it, you know, it is only one. Episode. Season two is a grower. It gets better yeah. as it goes on. By the end, it's of that season one quality, but it takes like, a couple of episodes to get there. Well, that's that's good to know. Um, so yeah, we we started that halfway through that. We finished our our watch through of Frasier on on Paramount Plus. Uh, very sad to get to the end of it because it is it, it was a phenomenal show. I mean, I've never obviously I've seen it a million times over the years on TV. I've never watched it in sequence through. I mean, it is a show for ten seasons. It is a remarkably consistent show. I mean, it is a, there is very little whiffs uh, uh, on there, and and I think I I think even the whiffs were a handful of episodes. I don't even think it was oh this season or this period was a down period. I think it was. Very, very strong. Just great, 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 great television. I, I think it's it's it was already very high, but I think it's shot up in my estimation in the overall greatest um, uh, 90s like sitcoms or sitcoms of all time, really. I think it trounces a lot of the 90s competition. I mean, it's way better than Friends. I have I've, personally, I've never really gotten the Seinfeld hype. I think it's, I think it's infinitely better than Seinfeld. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So um uh, I'd encourage everyone to either watch or rewatch that on the old Paramount gimmick. Um, uh, mm. They have it. Uh, all caught up on Rick and Morty, which I think finished while we were away. I think did it. We haven't. Oh, I can't remember. Um, yeah, like started off not great. Lost me. Got me back in the middle, and then I thought the last two episodes, second to last, <laughs> dull. Um, one of those ones where I think they thought their world building was more compelling than it actually was. Second to last episode was the one with the Sun Kingdom and uh, I like that one. I like and, that and, one. And, and but then the war of all the planets and I was like, ugh, I don't know, this isn't great. And then the, the the finale was the dropping the lightsaber through the Earth's layers, which I don't think was any kind of all time great episode. But I thought it was funny. I I enjoyed it. Um, I like I like the Keith David president. 
Um, I think he's always good value. Yeah, overall this this season, you know, all right. Uh, uh, you know, I don't think they've had a, any real stinker stinker seasons, but I, I I would certainly rank this one near the bottom. I would say. What would you What would you say, Paul, on that? No, I mean, <laughs> I I kind of think to an extent I'm kind of almost out of the ranking it game. You know, you know when you watch a TV show and you you enjoy it, but then you get to a point where you you don't really you're not really as into it. Like I was having a conversation with someone about Game of Thrones, yeah, recently, and they were saying, "Well, what about in season four when when uh, Quaylar the the Conqueror?" And I was like. <laughs> Dude, by that point, I was watching it, but not like paying fully invested and in paying attention to it. Yeah. So I, I kinda, I'm kind of almost that way here, where I'm watching it, and I, maybe I'll enjoy it, maybe I won't, but I'm not even thinking about it in any context of anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> if that makes any sense. So, bit of a cop out, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of up and down. Alrighty. Uh, any other TV shows this week, gents, or nothing else? talk about no tv no nope. uh, we a lot of quizzes all the quizzes all right university challenge only connect uh mastermind and of course richard osman's house of games which is a favorite in this house okay That's i so love fun. richard osman's house games it's a lot of fun yes you're you're on the ball with that one joe good love a good answer smash in fact we could probably yeah. steal steal a few of his quizzes for this yeah this, let's let's this let's little um, mother. Take some notes. yeah 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 uh, alrighty, from there we will go to our TV show of the year. Uh, I will go to Joe for this one. I only really have two shows to, to mention. Um, honorable one for the, the Bear, which was a mm. very, very fun show. Very, very engaging cast of characters. So I enjoyed that. Uh, even if I'm still confused at why the stakes are so high when all they're doing is making beef sandwiches. Like, it's, you know what I mean? I don't it's about what it means, man. It's about what it means to make that sandwich. Making chips and stuff. <laughs> um, but I'll give TV show of the year to Severance, which I Excellent. thought was fantastic. Uh, proper mystery. Very kind of different style. Great idea. And uh, very well paced and very well you know, executed and delivered a good twist right at the end. So, yeah, Severance. Looking forward to that coming back. Absolutely, I'm re- that one of one of the better endings as well. Really great hook, so I'm 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 all up for that. I think I think TV's been really good this year. Uh, I give an honorable mention to Severance, The Bear, um, uh, The Boys. Really strong season of The Boys this year. Bounced back. Uh, season two was good, not great. Season three I thought was really good. Uh, season three of Barry. I think I think that is genuinely that's got to be the most underrated show on on, on TV. I'm I'm just really loving that. Um. Uh, would you believe the bastards at HBO have not put out a Blu-ray of that? I mean, that is just, that is a crime. What are we doing here? Uh, but my show of the year overall, I mean, the thing that kind of had my jaw on the floor constantly, uh, constantly surprising me was uh, the rehearsal. Uh, I, I would say, I forgot the yeah, rehearsal. yeah, that was, I mean, that was appointment television. Do you know what I mean? That was really, I, when I found out Fielder was doing something other than more Nathan for you, I was like, oh, how, like, is it going to just be that under a different name or is it not? How do you, um, uh, uh, you know, how do you, how do you build on that? How do you, how do you, you know, uh, follow up like finding Francis? Like, how do you, how do you follow that? But they nailed it. I mean, le- legitimately, like, 
legitimately outrageously great uh, show and, and a fantastic follow-up. So yeah, the rehearsal, I don't know if they're going to do more of that. Um, mm. In a way, I'd kind of almost like if they didn't, I think, I think, I think it would be, it'd be all right if they kind of left it as it is. But uh, yeah, the rehearsal for me. What about you, Paul? Yes, lots of good TV. I'm still obviously not a great TV watcher. Uh, I watch TV very slowly. That's Andor isn't an anomaly for me. It takes me an, an age to watch anything. Yeah. But uh, I'll throw out White Lotus Season 2, as I just said. Not as good as Season 1, but by the end was of that quality. So I was happy with it overall. The Return of Beavis and Butthead. Oh, I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, Andor to where I am right now. It's pretty good. Severance. Hmm. I have a funny self juxtaposition with Severance, which is that I thought it was very good, but everyone else thought it was brilliant, and it annoys me a bit because I didn't think it was that quite that good, but it was very good. <laughs> so I'm almost in my own head. I've got a conflict in my own head about whether I enjoy it or not. Listen, it's great. So I apologize to anyone who, um, I I whatever uh, weirdly get irritated by it, but Severance is really good. I agree. the 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 ending was 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 really strong. The little um, dance party was like the best the best moment for me of the whole show. Um, it's great. It's great. But nothing is as great as Succession. It's it's the best show on TV. It's it's the uh, it's the Breaking Bad of its age. Uh, it's the Sopranos of its age. It's the new the new best show on TV. It's uh, it's Brian Cox and the Boys. Hundred hmm. um, percent. I don't even know if season three is necessarily as good as, as season one or two have been. And I still haven't finished season three. I've got two episodes left. But uh, maybe it really falls off. You're going to you'll come in next week. I'll come like, in oh, and what am I doing? I my own my own award. But it's got to be succession for me. All righty. That is a TV show of the year. We'll stick with Paul here and we'll do uh, another wrestling award. This is going to be flop. Of the year, who flopped? Who flopped this year? It was a big uh, in flop. in your opinion, Paul. Um. Well, I have one that's maybe going to be a little bit harsh. Go on. I still, I still think he's great, but it felt like he was being built to jump to the next level, and then he kind of, oh, he didn't quite get there. That's Wardlow. Mm. Um. Okay. Felt like he was mirroring the Batista push, and then at the last minute there was there was a, a, a banana peel. Um, still enjoyed his stuff, but was hoping he would be a little bit higher than he is currently. That goes for a lot of people on on AW's roster. Fortunately, Darby, we were talking about earlier. Um, I'm going to throw out Ring of Honor generally as a flop as well. Okay. Uh, ultimately, the fact that they haven't got TV, etc. I think the whole endeavor you got to say hasn't been. Hasn't entirely been a success, uh, but my flop of the year, I, there's kind of two elements to it. It's one that actually Joe mentioned earlier as a moment of the year, but uh, I'm going to say MJF's return was a little bit flopish, uh, okay. but specifically The Firm is is uh, my flop of the year. Okay. Uh, a group that really has not amounted to anything. Um. Stokely Hathaway, I, I don't get it. I don't get the hype around him. Maybe he was good once. He's, 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 he's not setting the world on fire himself. Um, that whole storyline where they then attacked MJF, that was never mentioned again. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole thing. I, I think they, of all the stables that AW have successfully into, uh, implemented, I think the firm is probably the worst of the lot. 
Okay. Alrighty. Uh, I will go uh, with... I will go with Triple H's WWE for my flop of the year. Um, I, I appreciate all of uh, Paul's mentions as an honorable mention. I think Ring of Honor not getting TV, that was a real late runner for, for flop of the year. That was super disappointing, uh, especially when you put in the amount of TV presence they had mm-hmm. on AEW and the obvious ploy of putting the belt on Jericho. Um, uh, you know, But to me, it was kind of like when Vince left and look, we were all buzzing and it was like, you know, fucking finally get rid of this fucking guy. I never, I never really bought into the triple H great booker fucking pandemonium. And I think, I think it was really proven um, with, with, and now, and now his window is closed is the other thing as well. Even if like, we don't know for certain if Vince will be picking up the pencil again, I think I feel like the sales and the rights fees are going to be galvan- uh, taking up all his time at the moment. But Triple H's window of, hey, the old man's gone. I can fucking, and he, he is the head booker now. He is officially the head of creative. His, his, his window to say, I'm going to fucking grab the wrestling industry by the balls. I still have the biggest company, the most notorious television shows with the highest profiles, specifically SmackDown, and I can. I can, you know, I can turn this ship around at a moment's notice um, if if I have the booking acumen. But I, my point here is that he doesn't. Um, you know, um, you know, you've got fucking Uncle Housets on 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 SmackDown coming out, and like I love that all this Bray Wyatt shit, and he's feuding with LA Knight as well. It's so it is like you could not fucking tape me to my chair to watch this shit. I mean, it is just so bad. And then it's got it's you've got fucking uh, the Miz and Dexter Loomis on Raw. You've got like. I remember watching SummerSlam and being so excited for like damage control. That seemed like such a cool unit. What are they doing now? Absolutely nothing. Um, complete whiff, complete waste of opportunity. Um, you'll never like the best way to look at it. Obviously, you know Vince will like kick the bucket w- one of these days. Probably, probably in forty years' time, it won't be anytime soon. But you'll never get another gift wrapped on a silver platter opportunity to to really shake up because people were watching those first few weeks the 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 buzz around post vince wwe was real and he did not other than some matches going longer than usual triple h did not turn the ship around so flop of the year goes to him mm, i don't know if i fully agree with that but are you, are you watching raw or smackdown i watch more more of smackdown i actually watch a, a, a full smackdown over christmas oh you sick man you sick man <laughs> It was it was shit, ironically. Well, there you go. You see, you watched one and it was bad. You know, I, I, it was the Christmas one, though. and I and and it's funny because it's like the hottest thing in the company is something that was from the Vince era, which is the Bloodline. That was that's that's been going for a year and a half. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, um, yeah, no. I mean, if he if he wanted to really make his stamp, you know, it would be it, there would be no fucking Uncle Howdy on my show if I was him. You know, but anyway. Yeah, I think I think Bray Wyatt's return for how big it was when he initially showed up was is also a bit of a flop. That's actually a, that that would be a great honorable mention. Um, yeah, uh, Paul, Joe. Oh, Joe. <laughs> yes, yeah, Joe. Paul, uh, you said the firm. A few, uh, a few that have already been mentioned. So uh, Wardlow, not through his for any fault of his own, but he has been a bit of a flop after being so hot. Uh, Ring of Honor on AEW. Uh, so although the pay-per-views mm. have been really good, I've enjoyed yeah. all of them. The, the promotion of Ring of Honor as a thing on AEW harmed AEW. It didn't do anything for Ring of Honor. They didn't get the TV deal. 
it shouldn't even really exist, but you know, it is what it is. Um, Paige Van Zant. Oh, oh remember, her. remember when she was all elite and then she's been never been seen since. She's been on T- AEW TV less since she signed than she was before, before. which is interesting. I don't um, know if she, is she still signed or did they let her? Oh, fuck knows. I, 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 I never saw it reported that they let her go, but the funny thing is, like, like, even taking into account it was her first match, I mean, she was horrible. She was really bad in that first match. And and it's one of those things where some people get it and some people just don't. And even though, I mean, another honorable mention for this category, Ronda Rousey, still in WWE and up until last week was a world champion, by the way, and you would not know that Ronda Rousey was there. But for all her failings, I mean, she obviously got it, quote unquote. Mm. Van Zandt, man, it just it did not seem like she did. So I haven't read a report that she's gone, but like they haven't, they 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 very quietly did away with her and 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 Lambert. Mm. Maybe she's like just training quietly to get better and then come back next year and, and you know be better. I don't know. That's actually I we'll we'll follow up our mankind and Kane email to Dave from ten years yeah. ago and I'll email him and say, Hi Dave, uh is Paige Van Zandt still signed to AEW? Also, whatever happened to Mankind and Kane? You didn't answer me last time. <laughs> um, I didn't yeah. send him an upset, yeah. 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 But yeah. Um, honorable mention, Jeff Hardy, another flock of the year. Yeah. yeah, he was good. He was good for a few weeks, and then it maybe he should be more stupid idiot. I don't know, but any, I don't know. I, one or the other. Um, final honorable mention goes to all AEW factions. So <laughs> they were all shit this year. So as Paul mentioned, the firm awful. Um, Blackpool Combat Club. Just what what has that been? It's been crap. Been our crap. Jericho yeah, yeah. Appreciation Society. It's just been a. A shit version of the inner circle, uh, top team USA, mm-hmm, and, yeah. and perhaps worst of all, the Hardy slash Andrade oh, slash Roosh family fucking compound, or whatever it's called. Uh, this rotating thing of oh, they own someone's contract and they they now are in the thing, and someone else has come along, and blah 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 blah. Who cares? Rampage was just that for about six months, and it was awful. <laughs> However, my flop of the year, I'm going to give it to, maybe controversial, but I'm going to give it to the Owen Hart tournaments. Oh, you know what? It crossed my mind. I, that's, that's, that's fair. Yeah, I thought the tournaments themselves were disappointing. Just going with a straight tournament with a bunch of random mid-carders in it, kind of boring. The matches weren't particularly great, and then... Adam Cole and Britt Breaker come in off the back of that. Yeah. What have they done, really? I was surprised when... I was expecting more of an FA Cup type of, like, nearly everyone's in it. There's rounds, yeah. da, da, da. And then when the brackets come up, it's just like, it's just quarterfinals, semifinals, and a final. Yeah. Like, and the matches didn't really hit at all. Like, no. I think the FTR match was really good. Uh, that was before I I gotten bored of the endless Bret Hart wanking when it was like them and Punk every week doing Bret stuff. I'm like, I right, fuck off. Like, yeah. but at least that first one was good. And I, it's just, and it, this is proper Paul's nitpick of the week type stuff. But man, 
when Brit and Cole came out for the finals, both with the pink jackets. I'm like, come on, pretend it's not obvious you're winning. Pretend there's a chance you're not winning. Like, oh my god. Like, which I think Brit came out first, and I was like, oh god, the the one with the Owen Hart tribute jacket that looks like it cost five grand is obviously yeah. winning. And then when Cole came out with it as well, I was like, oh my god, after the other one already won, and you're out there with your tribute gear. Oh my god. Um. Still glad they did it. I hope they do it again, but I you know what I would really like? I would like for with the exception of maybe the world title program, you know, that should still be going. I would like if just if it was the TV was just about the Owen for like two weeks and it was people cutting promos on the Owen, video packages about the Owen. What's it mean to be being the Owen? It was just a bunch of matches that just sort of happened and it was just you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I hope they do it again. And I hope it's better. I, but I think that's actually a really good pick. Yeah, change, change the format next year, Tony. Yeah. Alrighty, uh, we will then move on to uh, music golf. We don't have any albums actually discussed this year, so we will uh, this year, or even this week, I should say. So we will just jump straight to our next award. It's just award pandemonium here. Um, uh, uh, in this section of the podcast, we'll go album of the year. Uh, Joe, have you got an album of the year you want to discuss? I only listened to one album last year, um, because I only listen to Spotify generated playlists <laughs> these days. But I'm going to give it to Dawn FM by the weekend. Excellent. The only, the only album yeah. I listen to. I'm going to listen to more. I will listen to at least twelve albums this year, and then next this time next year, one I month. will have I will have some albums to talk about. That was, hey, listen, you picked you picked a good one for your one. Yeah, that one was good. That was that was the first one I listened to mm. last year. I think I probably hit about forty by the yeah, end. Yeah, I, I didn't stick with one a week. I, I think I got about forty. Let's let's go to Paul next as the real Muso one here on the podcast. Uh, the, the real aficionado of la musique. Um, I still actually haven't decided what my favorite one is here. I'm still, I was listening to some of them today. Still trying to weigh it up. Um, what did I really like? I liked honor, honorable mentions for because they're definitely not winning. The the Chili Peppers albums were were there's too many of them with two, and they were each too long. But the, I actually quite enjoyed some of them. I think especially the second one. I think there's some good cuts on there. Uh, Beach House, Once Twice, Melody. I thought was very good. Uh, Black Country, New Road, Ants from Up Here, very good. And then there's like the top three that I'm kind of still. Where do I fall on? They're all great. The, th- the three top albums you can't go wrong with. They're all kind of poppy, though. I'm surprised I didn't fall on kind of a rockier one. Because I'm more into kind of rock alternatives and metal. And yet last year, my favorite was Griff, which was a pure pop. And then this year is all pop again. Hmm. Uh, I'll go... I'll say I'll say honorable mention Wet Leg. Really enjoyed Wet Leg's album. They're mm-hmm. great. Uh and I'll go, I'll go Stromae, Multitude, Honorable Mention. For a long time, I thought that was going to be my number one. And actually, my number one song of the year is off that album, L'Enfer by Stromae, best song of the year. But I'll go, I'll go for album of the year, Grace Ives, a, a little-known U.S. Uh, singer-songwriter. She was on Kimmel. I was watching some of the songs live on Kimmel off her album, Janky Star. And they're so they're only like thirty thousand views, and I was like, "This is some of the fucking best music of the year." What are yeah. you doing? Uh, so, Grace Ives, Janky Star, one of the most easy, easy to listen to, really well written, 
nod your head, bop along. There's some real like catchy pop on there. There's some more thoughtful kind of introspective stuff. Ah, it's so good. And I mean, look, Beyonce, look, Beyonce is Beyonce, and Beyonce put out an album and everyone loved it. But like, Janky Star is is even better. Yeah. Sorry, Queen. Alrighty. Uh, for myself, I didn't listen to too much this year. I liked the new Seamad uh, album. I liked, I liked that there T Swift. Uh, another, another one who'd be happy with my ring and endorsement. Good album, well done there, Taylor. You've, you've, you've got what it takes. I would say to make it in this business. Hashtag this business. Uh, also enjoyed Dawn FM from the weekend, but I will say I didn't listen to the Beyonce album actually, but I've. I've never really been into her her solo stuff. Uh, I would say for me, uh, the album of the year was the new Kendrick album from this year. Uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. I thought it was really great. I thought it was a, a return to form. Uh, not even really a return to form. I mean, he hasn't. He's not. He hasn't really had a major whiff. To be perfectly no. fair to him, uh, but I thought it was just. It was another great uh, uh, album from him. So yeah, that was my that was my album of the year. I listened to that too. I'm sure you did. I, I, I didn't I even make my album match. No, you disgrace. I like, I like Kendrick. I, like, I need to listen to Pimple Butterfly. I've not actually sat down and listened. That's good. You'd be shocked to learn. It's good. Um, we will then do one more award here. Uh, well, we've got three more, but for this 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 section here where we've done like a straight run of awards, we'll jump into a gimmick of the year. This is just simply put. This is the act that we enjoyed the most this year. You know, the the character, the the, the what have you. Uh, I went last there, so I'll go. I'll go first here. Uh, a couple of honorable mentions. Um, you know, uh, Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn, uh, obviously doing great stuff. Um, uh, on the AEW side, uh, Danhausen, um, I thought has been yes. has been fantastic. Um. I don't know if it's really a gimmick or just how she is, but I think Willow Nightingale is the most kind of like infectious television presence as a pure straight baby face as well, which is extremely right. hard to do. So I'd give her an honorable mention as well. But my she, she was great on Hey W, by the way. If you, I have never watched that show, and I feel like I'd probably like it. But I've never she comes out really, really well on it. Uh, but uh, my gimmick of the year. My favorite, my favorite gimmick of the year is the acclaimed. Uh, you know, I think that's a fairly, fairly easy one there. I'm surprised right. to hear that. And coming as well this week on where we got two straight raps on Jeff Jarrett and TNA, which which was highly amusing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was mine. Uh, Paul, what's yours? Honorable mentions for Danhausen. Yeah. For the Bloodline. Mm. For Jamie Hader. Yes. Yeah. I thought you kind of came into her own as a character. Uh, honorable mention, look, I don't often come out on this podcast and say that I was wrong. But Christian Cage. Uh, yeah. With turtleneck. Um, Hook. Hook yeah. continues to be a great gimmick. Uh, but I mean, like this might be the easiest award in all the awards we've ever given. It's, it's the acclaimed and daddy ass. Of course it is. Scissor me. Um, uh, honourable mentions Danhausen of course Yeah. Uh, Hook as well you know lest we forget it's only been a year since he debuted and uh, I think he's maintained that aura of like when he comes out people are like oh it's Hook so um, well done to him Um, I already shouted them out but the ass boys I think have done uh, tremendous tremendous progress this year 
MJF. Let's mm-hmm. forget. You know, I know it's been up and down and there have been some bad moments, but some of the highs this year where we were comparing him to Ric Flair and The Rock and, you know, the CM Punk feud, it was yeah, phenomenal stuff. You know, I think MJF has been been really good. Yeah. However, there's only one gimmick of the year. Sit up, Daddy! You claim! I mean, they went from like you know Rampage, AEW Dark tag team to like the most over thing in the company, and uh, purely on gimmick as well. Yeah, it's not like they had amazing match. You know, they're good in the ring. I like their matches, but they're not like technical, like worth crate course wrestlers they have good matches yeah. it was all about the fun the gimmick the sports entertainment they nailed it yeah 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 when you think back to like they were yeah they would be on rampage every couple of weeks with mm. the ass boys doing they were joined together with the ass boys and you're like what the fuck what is this and then billy gunn got involved and then yeah. for you know it he had daddy ass and mm. all that that was great I would. I want to give an additional uh, honorable mention, actually, as well, to Swerve Strickland because I think he's doing oh, yeah. fan- he's great. fantastic character work at the moment. So yeah, we'll, we'll squeeze him in there as well. Uh, all right, we'll jump into Game Guff here. God, we're running long here, so we'll we'll run through it. Paul, what do you what have you been playing this week? <coughs> as I sneeze, bless uh, you. Thank you very much. Uh, finished my Rabbit Spark Sparks of Hope. Really good. Uh, recommend people check it out. Started God of War Ragnarok. Go on. Uh, early into it, like I'm. Like I said, not much time for doing stuff um, these days. <laughs> but I'm I'm about two and a half hours in. I've just got to uh, is it Sin Sindri Sindri Sindri's yeah. house? Yeah, you're you're very early. Yeah. I'm very very early. I haven't got to the point yet where it's beaten the enthusiasm out of me. I'm still very much enjoying it. Um, looks fantastic, obviously. Yeah, story's great, and I think the fact that I'm play- playing it so slowly means that I don't get tired of it so so easily because i'm playing it almost episodically yeah you know, I'll, I'll play from okay i start in the house and then i'll get to the next bit and i'll play it for like an hour and then i won't play it for a few days and they'll play it for an hour so it's gonna take me a long time to finish but I, i'm really enjoying it so far i haven't i haven't got to a point yet where i'm i'm uh feeling a bit burnt out on it well what a good segue because i have been playing a lot of god of war ragnarok and i am quite burnt out on it um i I kind of, I've had a lot of bugbears about that game in my time playing it. And a couple of days ago, I reached a point where I'm like, this game is so goddamn agitating that I just don't want to play it anymore. And it's all really small stuff. And I think one of the, the most common criticisms I've heard about this game, and I totally share it, is that the NPCs you're with never stop jabbering, right? A, a little bit in a kind of naughty dog kind of way where they're kind of chatting and doing back you know storytelling and all this stuff Mm. but also like the head and your son character um they comment on uh potential puzzle solutions about 10 seconds after you arrive yeah well i will say before i started playing i went into the settings i probably changed about 15 of the settings yeah including there's like an extended plus for wait there is yeah yeah. Okay, that may have been added in a patch since it, the game came out because that was not there. Because I, I heard, I heard about that ages ago. I, I will, I will look and I will see if I can. So, so it's the default setting is fucking insane. It's like you arrive at a puzzle and it is genuinely in the standard normal beat you would take to just even look at all the contraptions. 
Mimir's going, brother, I think if you throw your axe over there, that'll solve the puzzle and you can move on to the next area. And I'm like, oh, well, great. But it's not just that. And I'm curious to see how much of this, maybe, I don't know if if this applies to just puzzle settings or that setting changes everything. You know, it's it's a fairly linear game, but a little bit of exploration. You know, you can find a secret chest down this, this way. Go down a hallway that's just a dead end. Oh, Dad, I think it's a dead end. Um, uh, uh, come come to one of those like you know PS4. Go through the crack in the wall while we load in the next area. I think you need to go through here. Um, get set on fire in combat. You're on fire, Dad. Um, the NPCs do not stop screaming. Like like you talk about hand holding and like getting a little on screen prompt saying, "Oh, press L1 to block or whatever." This game is non-stop shouting at you. Dodge this. You're on fire. Oh, you can't go this way. Oh, no, you have to go this way. Here's the solution to the puzzle. I'm like, what the fuck is going on in this video game? Like, it is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, and I think it's also, um, uh, uh, like, what's not helping it is is it feels, it very much feels like a game, like, so obviously this is on the PS4. And obviously, I know it's been pretty hard to get a PS5, so I don't think they should take one of their biggest franchises ever and cut off most of their audience. But I think it is showing the age of the hardware it's on uh, a little bit. Because like I said, you walk through an area, the characters are talking, then you squeeze through a crack into an obvious combat area, and then you you have a fight, and then you do... It, it's got that walk, lore, fight, okay, walk, lore, puzzle, walk. It's got the most boring kind of layout imaginable. Um, you know, the NPCs are constantly telling you what to do in in an obnoxious way. I think the combat is also not that interesting. Is it just me? I think I don't know if you've noticed this even in your opening couple of hours. I feel like the enemies are not fun to fight in any meaningful way. Those little like slug enemies, the the little I wretches. Seen it. I haven't got any of those. Wait, you haven't seen those yet? Maybe you're maybe you're earlier than I th- I was thinking. I've only been fighting men. Really? Okay, maybe you you must be super early then. About but it's like yeah. like oh yeah, actually, you know what? Sorry, yeah, it's in it's literally in the area about side. It's like they're like little annoyance enemies, but you fight them constantly. And so I'm like I, I'm going through large stretches where I'm not fi- even fighting you know cool skeleton men with axes. There's like these little slug enemy types that are no real threat, but there's just a lot of them. I don't know. I'm just I I I kind of got to the point where for, uh, I I reached critical mass where the um, I don't think we can go this way, Dad. Prompts glitched, and so there was story dialogue happening, but Atreus had glitched, and so he was interrupting the story dialogue with "We can't go this way" and cutting off the story dialogue. And then when he did that, the story lo- dialogue didn't resume, and so I was like, I have to put this game down because like one of the most annoying things about it has cut off some story for me and now i'm just like what am i doing here but right. um yeah so i've i've I'm, I'm not saying i'll never finish it but i've had a I, i'm let's let's rest god of war for a little while and see if maybe i can come back to it in a better mood uh, uh right. some other time but yeah uh, uh i'm interested to see what you make of it the further you get into it um and if i if i go back to it i'm gonna look for that setting and turn it immediately down yeah i turned off stuff like motion blur there's there's a blurring effect on the subtitles as well i had to turn off i was like why is that on my default load, load of, hmm. i'm happy they have so many settings you can customize even stuff like uh by default it's like x to dodge circle to interact i was like nope yeah <laughs> so anyway is that all you've been playing 
Alrighty, uh, I've I've been playing a few various uh, bits and bobs. I'm continuing to, to to mess with the Steam Deck, and I've I've kind of I think I've stuck every additional thing on there that I'm interested in sticking on. Uh, obviously, all the emulators. I stuck on a thing that um, lets you import your Epic Games library and and your right. GOG library. I like even though I haven't had the capability to play them, I've been adding all those free Epic Games for like a year at this stage. So I actually have a decent library on there. Um, I set up Chiaki, which is a like uh, local PlayStation streaming. So, like, you have your PlayStation on in the living room, but you can play it on your phone or the Steam Deck. In this case, in the in the bedroom or whatever, uh, it's really good. Like, the latency is like really, really, really good. Uh, I think former host of the show Chris Blake uses that on on some uh, some of his devices. Really good. Uh, so that that's fun. And in terms of things I've actually been playing on it, I got Death Stranding for free. Uh, on the Epic Game Store um, over Christmas. Um, they gave away the vanilla version, and so I plopped down the, like, three quid to upgrade to the director's cut. Um, so I am playing that for the first time, and it's weird. Uh, I'm kind of compelled by it, but it's odd. Um, the most complimentary thing I can say about it is, is that it really accurately captures the anxiety of going down a hill with a load of shit on your back. Uh, that sounds wonderful. I love it. I, I'm kind of mesmerized by it a little bit. Um, the story is so great. The story is the best thing about it. Well, I'm intrigued by the story, and it's like, oh, you know, re- re- bringing America back together. And it's obviously, a, a, a million people have pointed out at this stage that it was a very prescient pre-COVID prediction of you know the the importance of a courier uh, bringing all the cities back together, but also just as a game that came out in 2019, you know, a, a divided America and so on and so forth. So I'm super interested in that stuff. I think the supernatural stuff is really compelling. The BTS and the BBs and and then it's just so on the nose where like. <laughs> the characters are all called Bridges and Porter, and the president is called Bridget. I'm like, oh my god, I get it. I fucking get the themes. Please stop. Please let me try and enjoy it. It's like God of War. I'm like, stop telling me the extremely obvious thing. Just let me fucking call these characters Tom Smith or some shit. No, no, you're wrong. You're you're wrong. You're wrong. This. No, you're wrong. You're the, wrong. The, the 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 courier who's reuniting the the. The, Mate, if you want to play the Tom Smith game, there's nine million of those. Oh God! Anyway, let me let me have fucking Guillermo del Toro run around called uh, Death Dead Man, Dead Man, or whatever. That's the shit I want from a Kojima game. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. I'm interested to see how how it. I'm still fairly. I'm like two or three hours in. Uh, obviously, oh, like it. super cool that you can play it on a handheld. Oh my god, amazing! It chews through the battery, so I'm like, yeah. it, it actually gives me a nice little play session because after an hour and a half, the Steam Deck's battery is gone. So time to put it down and plug it in. Um, but yeah, I, I'm intrigued by it, and I'm 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 kind of curious. So the, it really is entirely kind of my my enjoyment of the gameplay so far. It's like movement and kind of resource and you're kind of balancing yeah. yourself and it's literally it literally makes climbing a hill a challenge but kind of compelling i'm kind of yeah. curious how they they keep it interesting as you upgrade because i know later on in the game you get like a bike and stuff and right, it does. you get it roads does. so I, I i hope it does um but yeah so I'm, I'm fairly early but i am i am enjoying it and like i said i got it, i got it for free so i i am um... The Epic fucking website was on fire, obviously, on Christmas Day, because whenever they do a big giveaway like that, everyone logs on to get it. But um, yeah. yeah, other stuff um, on the emulation side, I'm replaying for, I think, like the 50th time, the the original God of War 
uh, on the Steam Deck. Um, one of my favorite games of all time. One of the games I've like finished and played the most uh, uh, in my life, and I'm, it holds up really well. I'm actually having a great time with it. Um, so I think that's, and it's also just really funny to see the contrast of what replaying that first one you really see why they went in such a completely different direction for 2018 because it's such a product of its time like it's so i'm angry and i just want to kill people and i've i've I, like i'm like kratos is like kind of this tragic character because his family's dead but he's the least likable fucking person imaginable um but it's still it's also even though i'm playing it on modern take i still like to kind of look at it as like this is a ps2 game and it looks incredible and it feels great and it's 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 a very it's a very cool game i think i think god of war one is one of the greatest games ever i i strongly believe that so i'm enjoying that uh in terms of more recent games i started and finished roller drome which you might remember that from various E3s and and game awards. It's the kind of uh, roller skating Tony Hawk style game where you have guns. Uh, it's cool, but there's not too much to it beyond that that premise. Uh, thankfully, it's about four and a half hours long, and that's perfect because it's kind of kind of runs out of ideas before you get there. Uh, the final boss is a boss you fight earlier in the game, but with a bigger health bar, and he throws <laughs> loads of minions at you, and it's like, oh, this is shit as a finale but thankfully right. as a four-hour experience that i think it's like 20 quid on steam or playstation i think it's it's fine uh i'm playing card shark at the moment i think card shark is a game you would like paul it's very it's really right. fucking hard but i think it's really compelling it's uh, a game about um it's set in like i think revolutionary france and you're basically uh playing a sort of uh, a card shark you're a part you it's a card game but you're not actually playing poker or blackjack it's about cheating and so it's kind of it's almost like a collection of WarioWare style mini games where it's like signal to your partner that you that your opponent has a three of hearts or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's it's kind of right. using a bunch of really challenging mini games to uh, cheat basically, and uh, it's got a really nice hand painted style. It's got a very interesting story, uh, and you don't actually you don't actually have to play cards. I was streaming it and someone said, oh my God, is this yet another, like, because card games are really in at the moment. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not. It's like a mini game collection, but super, but really well done. Uh, that's on PC and Switch. There is a Switch version as well. Uh, so that's Card Shark. I'm really enjoying that. And I just started streaming uh, last week, High on Life, mm -hmm. uh, which is the Justin Roiland yeah, uh, well. uh, game. I went into it with extremely tempered expectations. It's it's one of the most successful Game Pass games of last year. Uh, apparently, it was a runaway success. Pretty divided, you know, reviews. I think I think I heard from people who love Rick and Morty who hated this game. I heard from people who hate Rick and Morty who love the game. I've heard from across the spectrum. I you know, I I always think it's worth pointing out that. The other guy who does Rick and Morty is Dan Harmon. So I don't think, you know, and that's probably why Justin Roiland's other projects are maybe a bit more hit and miss is because he doesn't have the brains uh, um, uh, with him. But I have to say, and this is on record, twitch.tv slash BarryLad, at the BarryLad on YouTube, I had tears in my eyes laughing within the first two hours of High <laughs> on Life. I thought it was legitimately really, really, really funny. It's doing a lot of video game humor. It's doing a lot of meta video game stuff. It's also doing a lot of extremely Rick and Morty humor. It's sci-fi universe hopping. We're going to go to this weird planet full of weird freaks, and they're going to talk funny and be weird. It, it's, it's doing that. 
um, uh, a lot, but I think it's nailing it. Um, I think it has. I think it looks nice. I think the soundtrack is cool. Um, you know, uh, I think it's easy to be put off by it, especially because in all the trailers, like <laughs> Justin Roiland has like one voice. So I know in all the trailers, it's super off putting that he like the main gun is just Morty. He's just doing yeah, Morty. Morty. Do you know what I mean? It's so terribly on the nose, and that's part of why I was like, ugh. But it's good. It is honestly really good. I think if you like that style of, I think if you like, it's such an obvious thing to say. But if you like Rick and Morty, I think I think this this is good. And, and the sh- Red Letter Media guys are in it as well. Red Letter Media guys are in it. Tim Robinson is in it. DJ Smooth is in it. There's a they've got a. Uh, I've heard there's a, a a whole like bunch of people in it that you would not expect. Seems there's like a whole Red Red Letter Media audio commentary for a whole film in it. So yes, just... yeah, they've 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 um they've they've done a thing that I love when games do, which is they have a bunch of like uh, public domain movies in there that you can watch. And uh, Tammy and the T Rex is in there. Um, it's it seems so far it seems well done. I'm I am streaming it every Wednesday. We'll see if the humor lasts over the course of ten hours. It's about a ten hour game, is what I've heard. Yeah. Um, and I would say that the gunplay is all right. You know, it's not. Uh, you know, it's not fucking um, doom, but it's right. it's it, it's doing its job. It's fun enough. Um, yeah, I really enjoy Trover Saves the Universe. So yeah, I actually never got to that, but I heard I heard that was good. Um, I think you. I think you. I think you'll enjoy. I think you'll enjoy uh, High on Life, and that is of course a Game Pass title. So no no extra money out of your pockets. What more do you want here? Uh, yeah, and so then uh, we will do a game of the year. My game of the year is Elden Ring. Cheers. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't have any spicy takes or anything interesting to say about Elden Ring that hasn't been said seven bajillion times. So yeah. I won't bother. Uh, uh, I haven't played enough Elden Ring to give it my game of the year. To be fair, go on. That's uh, fair. I really enjoyed Mario Rabbits too. Both Pokemon games I played were disappointing. Uh, all the other games I played were old. They weren't from this year, which is a. Achilles heel of mine. But the best game I played this year was the Stanley Parable Ultra mm. Deluxe, which I thought was a huge amount of fun. Alrighty. Uh, uh, honorable mention to Point P, the Netflix game. Oh, of yeah. Um, yeah. It, was, it was really good. It reminded me of like super playing Super Mario Brothers or Tetris because it was a very simple game, but really, really hard. Like to, mm. to complete everything in it, so enjoyed that. But game of the year is Marvel Snap, um, which I've been ah. lots of hours into. Just a great mobile game because it's it's kind of deceptively you know complex in terms of, of the actual gameplay. Uh, no ads at all, mm. and the, the the monetization is very you know you can easily ignore it. Isn't it? Is you know it's not bashing you over the head with ooh pay one pound 49 to unlock this fucking treasure chest of cards and oh you got 30 seconds to unlock it um which you know is the the worst part of every other mobile game so yeah marvel snap really good right i need to get back to the old snapperoonie i need to get back to that before we go on to the big awards i have an email go on from jamie uh, subject resolutions. Hi lads. Anything crossed your minds to do this year? We already talked about the resolutions, of course, Jamie. Sorry about that. Uh, I don't really like to set anything rigid and allow flexibility and failure, but I would like to complete the 2023 weekly movie challenge on Twitter again. Okay. Okay. Finish off watching a film from every year since 1990. Only 25 Ooh. to do. Well, you can you can have you can do that. You can do that. You can do that by the end of January, Jamie. Cook a new meal every month I've never made before. Well, here's the secret for that. Just put a very slight amount of different seasoning on every time. <laughs> same meal. 
Easy peasy. But different and then different finally, cheese on top every time. There you go. <laughs> and finally, Scissor Joe at Ooh. AEW London. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if there's an AEW show in London, you don't know. It might not just be Joe showing up there. To be I, I, I mean, I will definitely be at that. We can all do. We, we all can do three a daddies. will be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Greatly appreciate it. Right, we've got two awards left, and they're the biggies. They are the biggies. These are the biggest uh, awards of the year, and I think they are somewhat self-explanatory. We'll do Stupid Idiot of the Year Award. This is the award we give to wrestling's stupidest idiot. I mean, it's pretty It's pretty plain, and as always with a lot of the awards, kind of you know, open to interpretation. Yeah. You know, what, 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 what offends you the most by the idiocy of, of certain people? Uh, we've had another. We've had a number of notable winners in the past. You know, Vince Cornette, Jericho, the man the award the award is named for. Uh, we will start with this uh, award with. Let's start with Joe. Okay, I I don't have great options for this award to be honest. Um, are probably the the obvious ones. Um, honorable mentions: uh, CM Punk for <laughs> what he did at the press conference. Uh, Ace Steel for. Allegedly biting Kenny Omega when he's supposed to be breaking up fights, not starting them. Uh, Shane McMahon for d- demanding, <laughs> what was it, to be in the final four of the Royal Rumble? <laughs> <Four. laughs> um, <laughs> stupid idiot Tony Khan for not sorting out the CM Punk hangman mm. problems and the raft of other things. And sorry, Tony, I love you, but you're a bit of a stupid idiot this year. Um, but I went with the obvious choice, which was uh, Vince McMahon for. Yeah. Uh, not covering up his sex crimes adequately for decades and then getting forced out of his own company. But wait, maybe he can turn it around this year. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to get my hopes up, but yeah. Um, Yeah, as mentioned by Joe there, I I will throw my my stupid idiot of the year award to Shane McMahon for returning and getting ousted in the same night. Uh, uh, You know, uh, uh, that meme of fucking guy rolls the worst blunt of all time asked to leave the the party. That's Shane McMahon coming in and booking the worst Royal Rumble of all time, yeah, including yeah. himself going the distance and then being kicked out by his own father uh, at the end of it all. Yeah, like you'd forget that he returned to the company this uh, last year because he was oh immediately God, ousted. Yeah. Uh, got that I because I remember like obviously not watching WWE I remember checking in the Royal Rumble God, that was the most fucking depressing show of the year because even the diehards who traveled to the Royal Rumble had no clue who any of the wrestlers were they weren't reacted to the music nobody was over oh my god what a disaster and Shane right at the center of it so yeah Shane stupid idiot of the year uh Paul I've got a different tact um I haven't necessarily gone with stupidest idiot okay the biggest scale stupid idiot. So I, I think Shane McMahon is probably the stupidest idiot of the year by virtue of, of the the dumbness of his uh, involvement in that. Vince McMahon, like I said, I, I had, but uh, he gets the sneaky snake instead for, for uh, yeah. despite his stupid idiocy, being able to, being able to turn it around and, and find his way back anyway. Uh, I've gone CM Punk for stupid idiot. For oh, taking wow. Surefire good thing. And uh, for no reason whatsoever, throwing a big old tantrum in front of the world um, and ruining it all. All right. Now, there's been whispers that maybe it could be salvaged, which, as, as we said here, that would be the smart thing for everybody involved. But, like, goddamn, just, just for once in your life, Charles, 
can you not chance can, <laughs> can you please not for once in your just life shut up for a minute just stop stop it well on that note we we will segue over to the total package of the year award we have the video play with all the past winners yeah we got there our new japan video going this is i mean you know this is the all-round award this is the wrestler best act you know the ace the the you know whatever whatever way you want to look at it uh uh you know we we've it's it's the overall best wrestler of the year and it's it's you know bell to bell is a factor promos are a factor star power all that other stuff and this is the only award where we have to come to it we, we only have one winner there's not three different picks for this one okay so with that one we will kick off with paul here see this one i think is the closest total package we've had maybe since we started doing it because i think at different points of the year it seems certain like FTR, we're having a hell of a, hell of a year. Would this mm. be the first year ever we'll have a double a double total package winner? Or Moxley is stepping in here and really keeping the company afloat, you know, keep putting on his back and carrying the company, and not you know not only doing that but doing a hell of a job doing it. We talked about MJF, Ric Flair reincarnated, like. <laughs> You know, elements of Ric Flair, elements of... <laughs> Didn't get his arse out once, though. Versatility. He's yet to get his arse out, but, you know, you can't, you know, blow all your spots right at the beginning, you know? You got to wait till you're at least 60 before you start <laughs> relying on the old arse spot, which I had the... Uh, in fact, unfortunately, the I, I saw live the old Ric Flair arse spot. It was not very nice. Um, so who do you ultimately go for? Who is... Who's the biggest star in wrestling? Who, who can do the promos? Who can do the matches? Who do you go with in the end? Like for, for like I said, at certain times I was dead sure. I said, well, look at FTR. I, got, I, I nearly got to go with them. I, I've, I've not seen someone have as good a year. Moxley, MJF, which way do I go? But, um, but I have been watching some Smackdowns, guys. And uh, secretly, we keep it in the background. Watching on YouTube or watching, as I said, recently full shows. And I don't, I don't think this year there's there's a, a bigger star in wrestling. He has the he has the aura, he has the character, he has the matches. He got a hell of a match out of Logan Paul of all people. I think I think the total package this year for me is Roman Reigns. What a what a swerve at the end there! What what a left turn! I know. I thought I th- I thought it'd be one of the other guys, but that I is think a Roman, swerve. I think if, Roman, mean, I, I if think he joined AEW today, I'd be like, "Fuck!" Oh, that'd be great. I, I think you're being very harsh on Logan Paul there. Logan Paul could have fucking won this award. He's he in his like two matches. He, no, had, no, he's had an abso- incredible year. Absolutely, absolutely. But it takes two to tango. It takes two to tango, and Roman was there. I, I honestly, I, I was he was going to be an honorable mention, but I'm I'm compelled by your KI. I, I think it's actually fair to go uh, Roman don't, as well. But don't even as AW viewers, don't you sometimes look over at WWE on YouTube and go, "Fucking hell, this guy, well, this, is, guy this, this guy, this guy has really is, turned it on. This guy is the star." Uh, and I tell you what, what 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 helps him as well is <laughs> just going, not impressed no. with this at all. <laughs> Uh, and he's, he's he's immediately been outvoted. Unfortunately, I tell you what. Uh, let me tell you what helps him. Me, so I, the uh, the one I was con- considering the most was was also FTR. I think they were absolutely in the consideration. But I think is they're one of those ones where I, I totally agree that they're really good. I've just I, 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 there's something about it. I I think 
on, on a character level, they don't do a whole lot for me. Maybe I'm being a little too influenced by their <laughs> unlikability, you know, and their whininess, which is unfair. That's probably harsh. But something about them just kind of, I, I, and this is maybe more of a, a bla- thing a thing to lay at TK's feet. I think, I think they don't necessarily have the booking respect. They don't feel like the top guys in their own company, no matter how many belts they have. Um, uh, so I think, and then I'm like, okay, MJF. And I'm like, eh, you know, MJF was gone for a couple of months and they did the firm stuff. That was kind of lame. And I know it's his gimmick, but he has like, I mean, this is true of Roman as well, but he has like four matches a year, you know, and they're really good. But, and then I was like, you know, if he was there for the full calendar year, it would have been punk. It would have been punk. He, he was having a phenomenal year, but then he left, you know, and Moxley has had a phenomenal year as the stand-in guy carrying the company. But again, I just, I, I feel like punk was the guy in the company and, and, and as great as Mox is at the end of the day, he feels like number two to me. I think what Roman has over the others is consistency. Um, uh, and I, I think I have to, as, as an extremely casual WWE viewer these days, when I think of this award and what, what this award is to me, it's him, you know? Um, and also he's had really good matches. I liked, I've liked, you know, the Brock matches. Obviously he's had 17 matches with Brock and some of them have been terrible. I mean, some of them have been great, but I thought the SummerSlam match was great. I thought the Logan Paul match was great. You know, um, I think he's, I think he's, he's brought it in his, uh, I thought he's brought in his matches. So yeah, that, that'll be, that'll be my pick as well. And I guess that's our, our overall pick, but we'll, we'll, we'll hear Joe's case here. <laughs> Joe's just sent in his resignation letter. From yeah. The podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I just sent a letter to the board saying, uh, I refuse to sign off on any title package of the year. These two, these two couldn't do a podcast in a Wendy's. <laughs> I work with fucking children. <laughs> and watching WWE. Um, that Roman Reigns is shit, to be honest. Um, nah. he's had. I mean, look, what 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 matches did they they mention there, listeners? Man, they mentioned have you Logan, seen his, have you seen his Logan teeth, Paul. Paul. Logan, Logan Paul match is great. It was great. Logan Paul and a Brock Lesnar match in the year twenty twenty two. Yeah, that is what they Brock Lesnar drove his truck to the ring. This is what they're putting forward. Oh God, they've clearly been gotten to by Vince McMahon or one of the. <laughs> we got the padded lopes in the mail. Anyway. Um, so my honourable mentions, similar to what Paul was talking about, Mox been great on the mic, very very good in the ring. Uh, just maybe hasn't quite had that run where he's you know he doesn't have the je ne sais quoi to really. No, I think he does, but he just hasn't had the, 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 the run to kind of put him over. MJF gives you that more. MJF, um, yeah, hasn't wrestled enough. I love watching him wrestle, but he just hasn't wrestled that much and. Promos mainly very good, but not always great. Um, the acclaimed, you know, had some very fun mm. matches. I would probably wouldn't say they're close to being the total package, but definitely in the conversation, thanks to how you know over they've gotten. Um, CM Punk, if he'd you know if he'd stayed healthy and not thrown his toys out his prom. But I've got to go with the the, the guys that had six of my seven best Double matches of the year years. for the first time ever. Tag team as the total package. I know their promos are nothing to write home about, but I thought what was good this year, it wasn't just the matches, it was the kind of the character, you know, the way they connected with the crowd and and presented that. They really kind of found, I think, what they'd pretended to be for so many years. I think they actually became 
it was almost like that throwback kind of team, no nonsense team, wrestling all over the world, having great matches, beating people, having the you know great feuds. So, yeah, my my total package of the year would be FTR. FTR, good pick. Yeah. <laughs> so I like I like here in in, in starting off twenty twenty three with total package of the year. Two of us have picked someone from a show we don't watch, and Joe's picked two people. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we should I think we should absolutely be allowed to pick a tag team. I think that's oh yeah. I, I, I'm only I'm only joking. Yeah. I'm only joking. Uh, no, listen, you've you've watched multiple episodes of SmackDown. I watched. I've, wa- I've watched more than one. I watched. I've watched. I watched. And I've watched a lot. I've watched a lot on YouTube. I watch YouTube, but basically every week, and I have watched a handful of episodes this year. And I've watched the pay per views. I've watched a couple. I think I've watched. I've watched all the major WWE pay per views. We didn't even mention year. his his um, clash at the castle match with Drew. With Drew, yeah. I mean, we don't factor business in. But, you know, he main evented all those shows in those stadiums. You know. Uh, speaking of that, front runner for for this time next year, we're doing this show. Tweet here from uh, Takami Obari who's the president of New Japan. He's, this is very odd for an executive to do. He's just tweeted a screen cap of the Ticketmaster map for Battle in the Valley, and it's like all but sold out, bar like two tickets. Uh, so uh, time is Monet, as Mr. Burns would say. <laughs> um, it, certainly, it certainly seems like that's uh, a front runner has been established. But let's see. How we that... didn't. We didn't say about Mercedes that 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 name really lends itself to to being a good Dwayne Johnson buster. The true mark of whether a name in wrestling is is. Oh yes. Star. Well, I mean that's why. He's, that's why. He's, I mean, Sashay Banks is is all time. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, anyway, and that has after a couple of weeks off, we decided to give you an, a, a a barn burning fucking gigantic bumper edition of the Chair Shop Podcast this week, folks. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the awards. We hope you enjoyed the various guffs. We hope you enjoyed the wrestling reviews. And the great thing is we'll be back next week with even more um, uh, uh, on this year uh, podcast feed. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you did have a lovely Christmas and you're hoping a ha- happy new year. Uh, we're going to be uh, uh, looking forward to chatting to you throughout 2023. Uh, and yeah, next week we'll have a review of the big dynamite, the the big massive dynamite, and we'll also have our yearly prediction show. I have the predictions from last year all saved up. We'll take a look at them, and then we will uh, make new predictions for the new year. So I uh, look forward to that. Until then, after this bumper edition, it's going to be goodbye from me, Barry. It's going to be goodbye from Paul. Goodbye. And it's going to be goodbye from Joe. Goodbye. Goodbye.